Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 102 and is being recorded on October 18th, 2019. Today's topic... Short Treks, and New York Comic Con trailers. I'm Aaron Gallo. I'm Eric Berry. And I'm Eric Dewey. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. How the heck have you guys been? It has been way too long since uh, I've gotten to chat with you guys about Star Trek. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, I I missed out on the last couple episodes from uh, Discovery Season 2, just scheduling conflicts and other stuff going on in life. Real life gets in the way. I hate that. I hate real life sometimes. But we're here. Yeah, yeah. We're here now. We uh, escaped the triple onslaught. (laughs) (laughs) It seems we all have uh, a a pretty wide range of reaction to the short tricks, so I can't wait to talk about those because I don't think any of us have exactly the same opinion about those. Based on on what I'm seeing thus far and what I've heard from you prior, you know, when they they came out, (laughs) when they aired, based on what I heard, I think we're going to have some some differing opinions, all three of us. So that should be interesting. A variety is the spot of life (laughs) indeed so why don't we jump in to our new segment and to start off it's it's been a while since we recorded um and during that break that we had aaron eisenberg uh best known to us as nog unexpectedly passed away at the age of 50 yeah it's it's very sad um he seemed like a really cool guy just the interviews and stuff that i'd seen with him he seemed like he was a just just a kind of cool dude like i i would have wanted to hang out with him um so he will definitely be missed a lot of people have uh said a lot of really nice things about him uh i really liked his bits in the what we left behind oh yeah me too yeah, um, I got a chance to watch that. We should uh, talk about that at some point in the future as well. Got a chance to watch that. If you if you can get it on Amazon, if you didn't, if you weren't a backer like uh, like like uh, Barry was there, uh, you mm-hmm. can buy it on Amazon, and uh, it is definitely worth the purchase. It's very inter- if you liked Deep Space Nine at all, it's a very interesting watch. Very interesting to see some of the behind the scenes stuff and some of the everything that went on with the actors and the writing and everything. And they do a really cool thing where they. They basically write a pilot for an eighth season, which was really awesome. Um, I, I really like it. Made me want that. I'm like somebody, somebody yeah. like this, make this because I want to see it. <laughs> It it was really cool because I got to actually see it in the theaters, even though I was a backer and I did have access to like an early uh, screening for just the backers. But I didn't do that because I wanted to save it for watching it in theaters. And also, it's not just through Amazon. Uh, Shout Factory licensed it. And I think they have an exclusive bonus disc if they haven't already sold out of their initial stock of that. Okay. So if you want so, to get a physical copy, you can still do so. Yeah. But yeah, moving it back, Aaron, I just thought his his perspective in the documentary was really well done. And I know that uh, the What You Left Behind on Twitter when he passed, they shared probably one of his best segments from that interview. I was just surprised at his age, too, because mm. I, I knew... I knew the I knew he was older, but 
when I was watching D Space Nine when it first came out, I swear to God, I thought he was like my age or younger. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a really sad loss. The fandom was just distraught by his passing. Like, I, I know a lot of Trek people that were just, this was pretty emotional. Yeah, um, I, I so, remember there was uh, yeah. either a couple of years back, or maybe it wasn't that long, maybe it was longer, I don't remember. I know he'd had issues. I guess he was he was born with only one kidney, and mm. he'd had a couple of transplants, and uh, he, they, they were asking for help to pay for, I think, the second transplant mm-hmm. it was. And so, you know, it's kind of, uh, it was one of those things where a lot of people got behind him and were like, yeah, we'll, we'll help out because, well, we won't get into political stuff here, but let's just say that that whole, the, the idea that that was necessary is dumb, but it was yeah. nice to see the fandom come out and, and, and help out. It's just really dumb that they had to. And, and I know that um, they did have a kind of like a GoFundMe for his funeral expenses too and to uh, help out his wife as well. People really showed up for that one too. So um, to I, I'm glad that you know he was able to affect so many people positively and he, he will be sorely missed. Yeah, there was uh, there were petitions online uh, within hours of the news hitting to have uh, a Captain Nog statue uh, show up in Picard at Starfleet Academy, or to possibly have a ship show up at some point in one of the new series called the, the USS Eisenberg, or I, something to that effect. I forget who it was. Uh, one of the producers on Twitter did say that we don't know exactly what we're going to do yet, but we are going to do something. There will oh, be nice. something. I, I, there was um, actually in Star Trek Online, I don't know if you guys play that, but they do have, if you go to the main Starbase, there is a gigantic plaque with the actual actors who have passed from Star Trek. And they have plates, name plates. And so they actually added his name to that plaque list. So that's from Star Trek Online. And was it uh, Star Trek Online or was it another Star Trek game that also is online where people um, held like a a vigil at uh, Quark's Bar in the game? That might have been Star Trek Online because I think you can go to Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I had heard about that. I'm still only playing uh, Timelines. That's still the only Star Trek game I'm playing, but I'm still playing it. I'm still building up our Starbase, guys, by the way. I need to log in. Misters haven't logged in in... (laughs) weeks i i logged in like two days ago for the first time in like a long time three three months (laughs) something like that you know because i I look at our star our starbase and i'm like how do i recruit people i want to recruit people i want people to join in because i've built up i've since the last time you guys have actively played i think i've built three things in our starbase (laughs) and i'm almost done building uh another one i forget what it is but especially now that i actually um i have a a nicer tablet than i used to have because thank you amazon giveaways and darn you for stopping amazon giveaways i'm so mad that they're they don't exist anymore because this was the second thing I had won from it. But I got myself an actual tablet that boots up in less than half an hour and then uh, doesn't lock up while I am attempting to use it. So it's not so the, no 
no WebOS tablet. Then. Yeah, no, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, it does have the look of the original WebOS. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I just it, logged in. It's the, it's the Samsung Galaxy Tab A from this year. So it's the okay. lower version of the two Galaxy Tabs they released, mm-hmm. but it's still a heck of a lot nicer than the POS RCA tablet that I had been using oh, that okay. I would gotten almost exclusively to read. Like, the whole point yeah. was for me to use yeah. it as an e-reader. But it would take so long to boot up, and then I would have to load and close and load and close and load and close and reload the either Nook or Kindle app so many times that by the time I actually got my book open, I don't want to read it anymore. I was like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> done, I'm done. And I forget playing games on it. I, I tried to play just like a simple game on it and it was just locking up and freezing um, I tried to use it to watch Discovery during the first season um, and it mm-hmm. was it, the Wi-Fi range on it was terrible so I'm like yeah you know what it was nice it was a nice thought. I thought it was going to be okay, but um, I would not recommend an RCA tablet to anybody looking for a tablet, even if the price seems pretty decent. It ain't. Don't do it. But not I'm worth taking, it. But I'm taking my Samsung. It's nice. Well, in uh, other news, we finally got a release date for Star Trek Picard. I was excited because um, this is going to be very soon. Yeah. January I was, 23rd. I was definitely worried it was going to be like March. May. <laughs> September, no. Um, yeah, January. Yeah, we have to wait till 2020. I was kind of, I was holding out hope that maybe, just maybe, we'd get a 2019 release. But honestly, January 23rd, that's not too bad. And it's a Thursday, so they're keeping up the tradition of uh, Thursday releases for right. Star Trek. Right. So yeah, I'm, I am super pumped. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that more when we, when we dissect the trailer a little bit. But yeah, I'm super pumped for. Picard, like even more so. I mean, I was pumped when they first announced it. You guys know we talked about it. Everything that's been released from then till now has only made me more excited. So uh, January oh, yeah. cannot get here fast enough. I was personally, I was hoping for like a Christmas type of release date. It's been um, a nice Christmas present for us, eh? Yeah, but I understand that you know there's a lot of uh, post production work that they have to do. Um, right. But I, I'm excited. Like like uh, Mr. Dewey said, I that new trailer just I'm give it to me now. Beam it into beam it into my all access right now. Indeed. <laughs> uh, speaking of all access, we have some uh, release dates for the short tricks. So as your favorite <laughs> news, Eric, yes. Um, but no, I, I enjoy the short treks, the way that they're being released in between the seasons, giving us a little taste of something while we wait, I think. So I'm okay with it. I would have liked it spread out over the months that we had nothing. Yeah, I don't know why they why they dropped the first two so soon, and then now we have to wait like a month and a half before the third one. It's like, well, they could have spaced those out a little bit more. I mean, I, I liked getting the two of them right, right up front, but... Especially because two of them are also available on the same date. Right. Now, like are those, those going to be the animated ones? Weren't there going to be yes. some animated ones? And those ones are the ones that are dropping on the same date, aren't they? Not? Yes. Okay. okay. I forgot there was going to be some animated ones. But uh, the schedule as of right now, uh, Q&A has already dropped. The Trouble with Edward has already dropped. 
Ask Not will be available November 14th. Okay, fine. The girl who... Ask you, oh, yeah. it, was a, it was a joke. You said Ask, ask Not. So I'm oh. Ask. <laughs> I really like uh, that we're doing this on video because I can see the groan <laughs> on Barry's face without having to hear it. It's fantastic. The girl who made the stars and Ephraim. Ephraim? Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I, I can, I read, <laughs> I can read today. Those will be available on December 12th and Children of Mars will be available January 9th, 2020. So and like that's right the one before. that leads into Picard. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think that that's the one I'm most curious about. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll answer some of the questions that we still have uh, about what's going to be going on in that Picard series. But it is exciting. Yeah, we get we definitely get something, a little bit of something every month at least. Yeah, which will be awesome. More Trek, please. Moving on to our next segment. Would you buy it, gentlemen? Oh, yeah, I'm... This is on my list already. Yeah, I'm buying it. Um, it's a no for me, but not because I believe it to be a bad product or anything. It's just that uh, I don't I don't really own physical media in at all anymore. So it would be a very lonely collection if this was the only thing I had. It's really cool. I actually kind of dig it. And if I were a person uh, who collected the you know, kept the physical media and stuff like that, I would definitely be all over it. But um, as it stands right now, no, I'm I'm happy with the streaming. I don't have season one. I don't think I'll buy this, especially since it is streaming. I don't plan on dropping CBS All Access anytime soon. We're talking about the Star Trek Discovery season two stale book Blu-ray only at Best Buy, not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor just just a, but just they a can. fact just a fact that yeah you can get it so uh, the reason i'm getting this is because i already have the season one version of this mm-hmm. of the steelbook mm-hmm. so i found that last year when they released it and it was like one of the last copies at my local best buy and i was like this packaging looks super cool i'm down for this Although it sucks because one of the tabs is broken on the inside, but um, whatever. Next time I'll just shake. But no, I, I even though I do have CBS All Access, I do collect the physical media for Star Trek, and this packaging is just super cool. So mm-hmm. I'm going to continue the tradition and get this season on Blu-ray Steelbook. Nice. And that is selling for $49.99, and it will be available on November 12th, 2019. It's a good option for the people also who refuse to subscribe to another service, things like that. So, you know, hey, if you're like, no, I'm not I'm not signing up for another streaming service. Forget that. Well, you can still watch Discovery. You just got to wait for the disc to come out, I guess. I wonder if you can have these sent to you if you still have a disc subscription to Netflix, which I recently found out still exists. I didn't even know they still did it. <laughs> I didn't even know they still did it, but they do. So that oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I was like, what? They still they still ship DVDs and Blu-rays and what? It's crazy. So let's jump in to the topic. We're we're gonna start with the short treks here. Alright. And the first one, QA. Yes. And a little summary here. Ensign Spock's first day aboard the USS Enterprise doesn't go as planned <laughs> when he and number one are unexpectedly stuck together in a turbo lift. Oh, no, it's like the worst thing that you could do is be stuck in an elevator with your boss. <laughs> if my boss was uh, Rebecca Romaine, I would not well, have a problem with that. Who refuses to tell you their actual name? I'm, I'm okay with that, too. I don't need names. 
Although we did get confirmation. Indeed. Oh, yes. Even more if you missed that little blurb in season two. Indeed. What I like about this episode is we see more of the Enterprise. It's always a good thing. Always. Except when, yeah, we'll get into <laughs> that. Except for certain parts of the Enterprise that Mr. Perry definitely does not have nope. a, a love for. Nope. Well, neither do I if that's we're talking a, about the same thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and actually, that's uh, that's on my dislikes, too, even though it, it didn't grate me as much right at the beginning. But we'll, we'll get there. What, what else did you like, Aaron? The volume and inflections of Spock's voice uh, was very similar to the cage. Hmm. When he goes, uh, well, he's like screaming oh, <laughs> on right, the bridge. Right. And he does the same thing when he first transports over. Oh, uh, that was a good touch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Ethan Peck has done a wonderful job of studying Leonard Nimoy's early Spock and really doing a great job of not just copying him, but bringing some of that to his version of the character. I, I think uh, Anson Mount did a fantastic job with Pike in that way as well, but uh, Ethan Peck definitely did a fantastic job. And this is just another example of it, I think, because we, we got to see so much focus directly on him. We definitely see that. Indeed. Uh, the banter between the two is great. I think you guys will have uh, more in-depth analysis about that. Like we were alluding to, there's on-screen confirmation of number one's name, Una, as seen on the pad. Okay, um, sidebar. <laughs> if you pause CBS All Access, it goes into the corner. It doesn't pause the actual oh. thing. Yeah. And I was trying to like freeze frame on that and... A couple it depends other on what uh, what kind of TV or what kind of app you're using. Because my if I do it on my phone or my tablet on the CBS All Access, it does that. But if I do it on my um, both of my TVs are have Roku. One of them is built in. The other one is uh, I've got a Roku stick. Those ones will actually pause on the screen unless well, you push the back button. I was doing it here on my desktop, so at oh, least okay. web based they do that, and it's annoying as hell. It is. Well, that's also on my TV, there's that's no way to do a screenshot, and on my phone or my tablet, it doesn't allow me to do screenshots for whatever reason. So yeah, and it doesn't it, help that's me. the same. That's the same thing with Netflix. They don't allow you to screenshot. I used to be able to screenshot from Netflix. Now it's like due to security. I'm like, come on! I had to download a separate app just to be able to screenshot. It was like designed for Snapchat for people who send naughty pictures on Snapchat. I'm like, I just want to get like clips oh from Star. I just want to make memes out of Star Trek. <laughs> But yeah, so what, what I do when it's playing, I just try to like take a screenshot Oh, on the CBS All Access app on my phone while it's playing. I just do a screenshot really quick. The only problem with that is, is that it's really slow to take the screenshot, so I have to like time it in advance to know how long the delay is to the screenshot actually being taken, which is annoying. It does seem like a lot of work to try to get that screenshot, but sometimes it's worth it. There's been a couple of times when I've had to I've had to call on you for screenshots because I like had, I'm like oh I've got this great idea to make something but I can't get a bloody screenshot. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, Mr. Berry, what what do yeah. you like? So a couple of the things I liked. I really loved the opening few seconds before he beamed onto the Enterprise. I liked all the different close-up mm. shots of Spock. I thought that was very well directed. It looked good visually. I thought it was very nice. And then when he beamed on, there's actually continuity with uh, his serial number from the episode Court Martial. So it's the same serial okay. number. Uh, so that's awesome because you don't hear a lot of serial numbers in Star Trek. Uh, so that was kind of a nice throwback. I also liked their banter. 
most notably, I love number one's facts about Captain Pike. And I really love that they mentioned his love of horses calling back to the cage. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was great. And they kept up with that in discovery. Cause if you remember his ready room had kind of like those Southwest images and there was certain uh, props in the background. So I really love that, that they kept up with that. Just seeing more of the enterprise, like the actual sets, not Mm -hmm. CGI monstrosities (laughs) is fantastic. The bridge, I just cannot get enough of the recreation or the reimagining of the bridge. I think it looks fantastic. And in this one, at least in my viewing of this, um, because of Spock uh, walking in, you see the back of the captain's chair. And like the original captain's chair was very, like from TOS, was very boxy and stuff. And Mm -hmm. most notably, it had like the wood hand rests. Well, if you look at the captain's chair, the wood hand rails, the wood goes, wraps around the back of the chair. Okay. And it's a really nice detail that I think is a nice modern, like like a modern design feature for the Enterprise. Of course, we got Anson Mount again as Captain Pike, so I'm not complaining there. (laughs) Follow me me back on Twitter. Um, (laughs) Please. (laughs) No. But no, I, I thought overall, I thought it was all right, aside from the glaring thing, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I too enjoyed everything you guys have mentioned about the continuity between the, the original series and uh, not just in the serial number, like that's a nice little touch, but as Aaron talked about with the actual uh, inflections and the tone of Spock's voice and kind of seeing uh, where that would, you know, kind of that trend. Transition is really nice. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved hearing Rebecca Armain sing the Major General song. Um, that just, that was just so fun. Um, I like her to begin with, but to, to see her do that, that was just, uh, was, was just fantastic for me. Talking about Spock, I also really like that we, we kind of get a little bit more insight into Spock's character between the cage and the man trap because there's that's the kind of what we don't know other than what's happened in discovery season two which is kind of like a completely separate thing altogether spock's life on the enterprise between those two premieres basically uh, we don't know a lot about so i mm-hmm. really like i'm hoping that someday we get to explore that even more i love the fact that you know ensign spock who is yeah, of course he would. He's following orders exactly as they're given. She said, don't stop asking questions until you become annoying. And that's what he does. <laughs> he just keeps asking questions. We also get a little bit more insight into number one's character, like her name and you know the fact that she likes to sing uh, songs from Pirates of Penzance. So, you know, that's that's always uh, uh, fun as well. And I like that. Uh, sorry, I like that they... Uh, just to add on to that, I like that they added to her character that she kind of has this like image that she wants to maintain mm-hmm. for everyone else. Like when Spock brings up, oh, well, it seems you've studied Captain Pike a lot. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of like, okay, uh, change like, the topic. <laughs> because in the cage, didn't she say that he was like 
attractive or whatever. She, to... It was pretty obvious in the cage, I think, uh, upon rewatching that number one was pretty much in love with Pike and that it was not reciprocated in that way. Like he respected yeah. her as an officer and as his first officer specifically, but the romantic attraction was not reciprocated. And I think that, I think that might've been what they were trying to play with there, yeah. which I also appreciated that touch because it does throw back to the cage where we see when she talks about Pike or talks to Pike, she kind of gets that, that, that like dreamy kind of glazed over look in her eye. Like, Oh yeah. Captain Pike. Like, like when I talk about Anson Mounds, Captain Pike, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same exact look. And finally, I, I really felt that this really exemplified what I think these short treks should be. I remember when the very first short trek came out uh, from last season, I was kind of disappointed because I wasn't, anticipating them being so short i was i was expecting like an episode and so when i when i looked at it when i pulled it up and it's like this is 15 minutes long what what even are they going to do in 15 minutes but as they went on i like okay now i know what to expect and i think that this really fit the format well it gives us just a little bit more insight into the characters we already know from the other seasons and maybe you know, hoping in this case it went back to the previous season as opposed to being something that's going to tie into the next season. Right. But if we ever get that uh, Pike Enterprise series that literally everyone wants, are you listening to CBS? <laughs> then this would, would obviously tie into that too. So I felt that this really fit the format of the short trek perfectly. You know, just a one simple basic storyline, um, nothing too much going on, not too dramatic, not too important necessarily, but yet mm -hmm. still gave us a lot of insight to the characters and uh, gave us some, some entertaining Star Trek while we wait for Picard and season three of Discovery. So I think we're going to move on to the dislikes. <laughs> Aaron, what didn't you like? So before I get into my major dislike, this episode, the short trek, felt like the like B story of an episode of Star Trek. So I kind of didn't. I felt like it didn't like stand on its own that well on my first viewing. Oh. Uh, second and third viewings, I softened up a little bit, except for and huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> we have Doctor Who like turbo lift shafts is it, is it more doctor who or more uh willy wonka in the chocolate factory that's <laughs> what i'm thinking maybe maybe I mean, you're it's, right it's there. got the doctor who aspect of it's got to be bigger on the inside because otherwise where right. is all of this stuff but yeah it's, it, it's the dumb shit lollipop that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> no i uh, just to expand on that, because I think that's all of our dislike, so let's just talk about it. Yeah. I hate everything about it. I hate that <laughs> they mention that, oh, we have to get repelling gear to, yeah. like, to <laughs> repel into the <laughs> turbo lift. What happened to Jeffrey's tubes? Are those a thing anymore? Apparently not. My biggest issue with this is that, yeah, we've had scenes of characters in, in Star Trek that have been in turbo lifts that have malfunctioned. I just watched, oh God, like a couple days ago, the season two of Next Generation. And there's that one scene of like Jordy, because the, oh, it was the one where the computer, Contagion, where the Enterprise is infected. And he's like, no, you got to destroy the probe. And he's like running. And then he's in the turbo lift yeah. and he gets thrown about the turbo lift. 
we don't need to see an exterior view. We don't need an establishing <laughs> shot of a turbo lift. If you're right. doing that, save your effects budget for something else. If if you want an effects thing of the turbo lift, then make it like it should be in a self-contained tunnel. And you can have it like a really cool perspective shot, like you're in the turbo shaft. They call it a turbo shaft, but it's not a shaft. It's four it's poles tracks. that this it's, thing is it, riding it's, on. It's tracks. Yeah, like a yeah, railway like a, system. Yeah, it, That's it, not like a shaft. A, it's like a roller coaster. <laughs> and, and so I think it would be cool if they actually had like it, you see like a long hallway and you see a forced perspective of the car coming at you and then it could be sparking on the inside of the shaft. We, you don't need this Willy Wonka BS where you got like little little worker bees flying around on the inside of the ship. What is that? And, and, it, yeah, and why did they it need just repelling makes the gear Enterprise like this hollow those... shell? Uh, why did they need repelling gear? If they why didn't they just have one of those worker bees fly over and and grab them? Yeah. I mean, if if we're going into that, yeah, it's it. Yeah, we, we've talked about like, it before. I'll, I'll briefly touch on it when we get to mine. But yeah, I I feel you. I feel you guys is paid on this one. Like I get it. Like they they needed more time for them to be stuck together. But my thing is you could, you could have showed the vigil of inside the turbo shed. Maybe they, maybe they got attacked at that moment or something, right. or maybe there was just an accident that completely ripped open the shaft or something, a little, something a little bit more than just, Oh, the brakes are out on this thing. Yeah. If, if those turbo lifts are that poorly maintained are they freaking repelling people all the time to rescue people <laughs> in the turbo lift that's what jeffrey's tubes are for like every every cutaway of every star trek ship it's a solid like it's a constructed thing yeah. i don't think any of these visual effects people took the time to go like hmm what's in this i i hate it i hate everything about it i i was fine to explain it away in discovery but when you do this to the enterprise it's dumb. I hate it. The line. it. It really reminds me of uh, Galaxy Quest when they when they get to the chompers and they're like, "Why are these even here?" Because <laughs> they were on the show, and we built the ship based on the show. <laughs> like I can imagine, like some alien race somewhere out in the universe, you know, receiving these, thinking they're real, and trying to build the ship, and then they get to Discovery and they go, "Wait a minute, where are we supposed to put all this stuff?" <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, they easily, and with my turbo shaft concept, like that kind of like a long hallway or whatever, you could have like Lieutenant, whatever her face is, like pry open the door and say, okay, you guys are free now. And you can still have Spock, you know, looking longingly or whatever as they exit the thing. Like I just, they could have they, even said, they could have said like, oh, well the position that your, your turbo lift is in it it's not very accessible via the Jeffrey's tube system. So it's going to take a while for us to get to you or something, just yeah, anything. There, there's it's a lot not of that easier ways empty to shell. explain them getting trapped in the, in the turbo lift. Um, because the way they did explain it, they had communication with outside. They had access to get outside of the turbo lift car. Um, there were too many 
obvious escape routes, uh, you know, not the least of which being the transporter. But uh, mm-hmm. they, they've done that in Next Gen, where they had them trapped in a turbo lift shaft, or a turbo lift. And it's like, okay, well, you think, oh, they'll just have them transport out. And what happens? Oh, their communicators are down. Okay, well, now we've got a situation here, you know. Right. It was it could have been as simple as that. It's just like, okay, they, they got stuck, and they lost communication. Then we don't need that exterior shot of the turbo lift. We don't need... Repelling. We don't need any of this. We just have two people trapped in a turbo lift. Trying the, the, to the repelling gear thing killed me. I think my yeah. brain like literally died <laughs> when <laughs> when that line was uttered. I was like, I'm I can't. One of my favorite episodes of the Next Generation involved Captain Picard along with like four or five kids being oh, stuck in the turbo episodes. lift. That's where Captain Picard day came and, from, isn't it? No, they won a science fair. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. And they climbed, Picard, along with all these little kids, yep. they climbed out a of ladder. the ladder. Uh, yeah. The ladder uh, up, up to the what next What looks floor. like, a, I don't know, some sort of shaft, maybe? <laughs> so, I... I, I was like, singing Ferrejaka. <laughs> they just need a ladder. Yeah, Ferrejaka, that's right. Um, but, but that's another thing. They could have escaped the turbo lift, and it could have been like... Oh, well, in the position we are in the ship, it's a long way up to the next deck or the next access point. They yeah. could have been, so it could have been them like climbing a ladder. Mm-hmm. Who cares? And the, uh, so the triple lifts go like left and right up and, and down. Up and down. So they could have been at like just a weird angle where the triple lift was like turning and it was yes. like they couldn't they have been caught in an intersection. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of like weird intersection that they couldn't get to easily. Yeah. That could yeah, have explained the premise a lot. of the episode depends on them being trapped together in a confined space for a, a, a somewhat extended period of time. I get that, and that part's fine. The way they chose to go about it was definitely have it definitely have it wrong. done on a shuttle. <laughs> there, there like, plenty yeah, of other like ways. she's picking him up from a star base, yeah. and uh oh, we're gonna be adrift for a while until the Enterprise shows up. Yeah, yeah, that would have been better. Um, but then we wouldn't have gotten the interior shots of the Enterprise. <laughs> so I mean, if I if mean, they truly wanted to feel other. more claustrophobic, just don't show the outside of the turbo lift. Yeah. Yeah. All you need <laughs> is like, like it shakes and that's it. We save your effects budget for not these crappy shots. We don't need an establishing shot else. of a turbo lift. We could have gotten I'm not 100% more... convinced they didn't just reuse the shots from Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> because well, they looked pretty dang similar to me. Uh, we could have gotten the short tracks sooner, or more short tracks, <laughs> if they just avoided the turbo lift right? exterior shots. There you go. Um, if, they, if they do this in Picard, I am going to rage quit. Because that <laughs> yeah, Picard is in the future, so things could have been made differently. I don't know. I have, well, there's something that from Discovery that made its way to... Picard trailer that I'm going to talk about later. So my final dislike here is how much time passed before number one try to access the circuitry. Yeah, no kidding. Because there was like there was like a TikTok thing, and they did like a one of those transitions where it, which indicates that there's a longer passage right. of time. Yeah. Right. That should have been one of the first things that she did. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, Spock, you should know better, right? You should. Yeah, but would Ensign Spock start trying to take apart 
the, his new ship on his first day with with the ranking officer there without her telling him to do so. I, I don't think he would take the initiative no. to do that. No. Um, Maybe he might he may have offered. He might have said, "I wonder if I could access the circuitry panels, or if that would do us any good." Actually, I think he was smart enough to know that that wouldn't do any good because, as we saw, it it, it didn't. So that might be why Spock didn't try. I can give Spock a pass on not trying because he might have he might know the circuitry well enough to know that there would have been nothing that he could have done about it. Mm-hmm. But yes, she waiting to try. I don't know what that was about. Wasn't there some a very similar scene with Kirk on top of Spock's shoulders in Star Trek five when they're trying to break out of the brig? Oh, it's been a while since I watched that. Maybe Maybe that could have been another callback. I feel like he was like looking up, telling um, Kirk not to press something, and then he goes flying back. I I might ah. be remembering it wrong, but that seems awfully right to me. Hmm. Uh, that, that sounds right. Yeah. I need to do so, another rewatch of the uh, original series and the movies. Um, I I'm, I'm actually in the middle of another of probably my twentieth rewatch of TNG right now. So yeah, uh, Teresa and I. Uh, she's seen so she's watched con three and four we're at the point of five (laughs) and part of me is like five but she even liked three and when i watched three i was like hey it's not so bad and it's not star trek five yeah but yeah it's not star trek five when you know worse is coming you 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 can brace yourself for three uh because you know first of all you're gonna get a respite. You're gonna get a respite with with four of something fantastic because um, as as dumb as the premise may have been, Star Trek Four was an amazing movie. I love it, and I don't care what anybody says about it. Even the, the last time I did a rewatch, uh, three did not bother me nearly as badly as it had previously. So maybe it's one that grows on you the more you watch it. Maybe maybe five is too. Maybe you just need to like binge uh, Star Trek Five like six times uh, in a row and see if you like it. <laughs> I'd rather eat gach. Wait, wait, fresh gach? Or like, you know, oh, well, frozen reconstituted? Is there any other? I mean, well, <laughs> some some disreputable Klingon establishments will try to sell you half-dead gach. Nobody wants that. <laughs> so, so, Mr. Barry, besides the turbo lifts... Yeah, does uh, does Star Trek really need any more Gilbert and Sullivan? Especially this same song yes. again? Because I could do without it. Is um, it like in the public okay. domain? It must be, right? Sure, it is. But I I get it. Either that or it's like, just really cheap. I don't know it, if it's it, old enough to be public domain, but I'm pretty sure they can they can get it for I'm pretty sure they'll sell it to anybody. I, like like I get it. It's a well known song. And Rebecca Romaine, she has a brilliant voice. I did like the scene. Like I liked her enthusiasm behind it. It shows that her character was opening up. But I just, I don't need to hear that song again in Star Trek. I would take uh, more Gilbert and Sullivan over more Shakespeare in Star Trek any day. <laughs> I am so sick of Shakespeare in, in, in Trek. I don't like Shakespeare to begin with. I think he is probably one of the most overrated uh, entertainers ever in the history of the world. Like, I just, I don't get the fascination. Like, his stuff is okay like he's got a couple of stories that maybe if told differently might be interesting but um i, I, I just not get the fascination with Gil, gilbert and sullivan so <laughs> somebody somewhere just has that's that's the only uh musical duo that uh, survived into the 21st century here the 23rd century <laughs> you, ever at. you would think with the amount of times that that it's in this <laughs> in this show but anyhow 
Mr. Dewey, what do you, what do you dislike about this episode? Right, well, well, we've already discussed the the turbo lift. Um, <laughs> like I said, my thing was when we got the one glimpse of it the very first time in Discovery, I was okay with it because it was just a cool looking shot and it was just enough. It was just long enough for me to just kind of ignore the technicality of it and just think, oh, cool shot. Okay, moving on. But then they did it again, and then they did it again, and now they've done it in a short track, and it's like, okay, guys, where is all this space? This space does not exist on the starship. <laughs> Seriously. Um, it doesn't. The, the one time I was able to give it a pass upon the first watching, I didn't. I barely even noticed it on the first watching. It was just kind of an interesting shot, and boom, done. But after that, you're just kind of like, okay, it's way overused now, and you have to ask that question. You start questioning where in the world is this stuff so yeah the turbo lift effects are just incredibly annoying and unnecessary because they do not add to the story in any way shape or form as as you guys both pointed out the way they set up this story could have been done a lot better they had so many Mm -hmm. different escape routes that they didn't use that were so much easier to explain than having to wait for somebody to put on repelling gear it's like well all they had to do was, like, have their, oh, the turbo lift stopped, got stuck, and the communications went out. Okay, boom, done. You don't have to have the exterior shots of the turbo lift. You don't have to have uh, repelling people, you know, any of that. You just have them waiting for somebody to figure out that the turbo lift stuck and coming to get them. Yeah, that really, my biggest dislike about the, the episode was just, the way they got them into the position. I liked once they were in the position and we're, they're telling the story of that interaction, that was great. I liked that. But there were too many unanswered questions about, like, well, why couldn't they have mm-hmm. done this or this or this? Like, the technicality behind it, like, it would have been so easy for them to make a, an, a more simple reason for them to have been stuck. That's really, really it. Uh, the other thing, it, not really a, a dislike so much as, um, once again, CBS... Paramount, whoever is in charge, for the love of all that is holy, give us a a, a Pike Enterprise show with these characters because I want more. I want to see Ensign Spock become Lieutenant Spock. I want to see that story uh, so badly, especially with Mount and Peck. Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. So I um, I want the two of them to have jobs. Well, yeah, that would work. That, that would be that would be fantastic. Uh, but yes, as um, just from a storytelling point of view, the demand is there, guys. I mean, just look online. People want to see these characters more, and they're willing to to put in the money to the service to to get it. So uh, I hope they're listening, Mr. BS. Uh, C, uh, if can I call you C? Listen, uh, do it. Make it CBS. Make the show. Yeah. <laughs> So let's uh, go into our ratings here uh, for the episodes. For the freaky, I'm giving it a uh, (laughs) two and a half pips, a lieutenant commander. You would think with the amount of complaining I did about the turbo lifts, this would severely drag the rating down. Uh, But it's because of the great character moments. And I both love Ethan Peck and Rebecca Romaine. Uh, I give this a solid three pips commander. And uh, I'm once again making up ranks. 
Um, I gave it three and a half pips. Uh, I guess the <laughs> lieutenant captain. Um, again, without the turbo list, this would have been a, solid, a full captain for me. The, yeah. the story was great. I really enjoyed the show, they, the, the telling of the story. But without, with just those those questions that are left unanswered for no reason, it loses that half a pip for me. And I do. I am ranking this on kind of a a, a curve, you would say, compared to what I might rank full episodes. I, I do have mm. a different kind of grading scale from what I expect from a short trek than from what I expect from a full episode of Star Trek. So kind of like the warp scale as you approach warp ten. Yeah, right? yeah, it's uh, exponential, exponential. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, so, it yeah. sounds like we 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 all pretty much enjoyed it, minus the yeah. unnecessary turbo lift shots. Yeah, I, I, we're I all pretty much in the same. It general range a trouble with that word <laughs> this is the one this episode that we are going to have wildly different opinions on i feel uh, <laughs> All i three think of us so have different opinions on this which is fantastic i love it so newly minted captain uh lucero is excited to take command of the uss cabot that is until she meets edward larkin a ornery scientist who believes he has found a revolutionary new use for Tribbles. Inter- interestingly enough, he, he's a protein specialist in the show. Um, I believe he is the guy who is the voice of Bob in Bob the Bur- Bob's Burgers. Yep, and he also does the Arby's commercials. We've so, got the meats. Uh, he's got the meats. Oh, God. Oh, I yeah, can't go to Arby's now. It's all Tribble. It's all Tribble meat. <laughs> so I have, uh, I have a couple of likes here. The Cabot ship design was was great. My uh, my only um, wish for that I I wish that we saw a disco style Miranda class. Oh, that would have been cool. I because we we you would infer that the Miranda class was around the same time as right. the Constitution class, and it got upgraded right. when when the refits happened uh, to the fleet. Mm-hmm. So it would have been cool to see what that would have looked like, uh, but we didn't. Great. I thought there was good chemistry between uh, Pike and Lucero. Yes. Uh, it was just good seeing Pike. Yeah. Oh, of course. And th- that's my likes. Uh, my likes were, uh, well, we got to see Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a trill member of the crew. Yeah. And I liked the Johnny Appleseed song. <laughs> Everything else was garbage. <laughs> Okay, I'll so so, so let me let me get this straight. No to Gilbert and Sullivan, but yes to Johnny Appleseed. That's that's where that's where Eric Berry's at. No, I okay. well, I just like it in the context of what was happening in the show. <laughs> I, I love the shot where he's just the guy's I, just walking around with like the giant vacuum thing on his back. And just that was dumb. The t- that was so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, okay, so for, for my likes, um, first of all. More Pike. Mm-hmm. Any any time I get oh. to see Pike uh, is a good day for me. I really liked uh, Captain Lucero's character at the beginning and yep. her ability, the way she dealt with Edward at first. I, I felt that she was handling, you know, he was being a, you know, an intransigent subordinate. He was being a, a jerk, and I've been in that situation. I've been I've managed places where. I was the new person who came in to manage, and I've had employees under me who were older than me. That lack of respect can happen, and you have to kind of deal with it. You kind of have to roll with it a little bit, put them in their place, but not, you know, you 
too harsh and it becomes an issue, too lenient, and they roll all over you. And I felt she had a good handle on it at the beginning, but there was a point that things went awry, and we'll talk about that when we get to our dislikes. I freaking love Tribbles. I just the, the whole concept of Tribbles. I'm a Tribble fan. You can you can you could say I used to like them. I, I celebrate the entire Tribble <laughs> yeah. catalog. Um, you know, I, I I like the the concept. They kind of changed the concept a little bit here, and I'll bring this up when we talk about our questions. I think they uh, might have actually made something make. Upon rethinking about it, I think this actually made something make a little more sense. In in the TOS episode, so we'll get there. But um, I love the I just love Tribbles in general. And then of course the after credit commercial for Tribble cereal was absolutely so ridiculous and over the top that it was bloody brilliant. I loved it. I rewound and watched that like four times in a row. I was laughing so hard. I, I had to rewatch it because I missed stuff because I was laughing so hard at the thing before it. I mean, the end was like, we're pregnant with flavor. Harry Berry. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, yeah, I, I I love that part about it. I so for for that reason I do do have a little bit longer list of likes uh, than the both of you had, but uh, it did have its issues. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, why don't you uh, start us off with what you didn't like about the trouble with Edward? So why would he be the only scientist in his department? That doesn't make too much sense to me. How many protein specialists do you need on a starship? I mean, really. Well, when when their whole mission is to try and have food sources for a whole planet, I mean, livestock is a pretty big thing on any planet that doesn't have, like, replicators. So I think you need, like, more than one of those guys, especially with him. Yes. You'd think that, but then at the same time, you also have, we've we've established that in the Discovery timeline, they already have food replicators of some sort. In the TNG timeline, yeah. they specifically state, we no longer enslave animals for food. Right. Like they go full vegan on us in Next Gen, which that was one of the, one of the very few things about Next Gen I didn't like was the, the little bit of pushing of like, really? That's... It, it's still protein, though. It's still, yeah. you can still have a steak, and it's it's a steak. Yeah, it's... And just didn't kill a cow for it. Yeah, and when the and when when the replicator technology is to the point where you have holodecks and things like this, then I imagine that the food tastes fine. You know, uh, you know. So I'm it's not like that. tofu. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about little uh, gelatin cubes uh, of random colors <laughs> in a bowl on a table. Thankfully, because that would have been terrible. But uh, yeah, no, I get your point. Yes, there there should be. If he wasn't the, I, I imagined originally that that grouping at the table was like the department heads, but then the way they made it look later on, it seemed to be that was the entire crew complement oh, of right. that ship. <laughs> oh yeah, I have a point about that. Yeah, so. I'm glad you made that point because I meant to put it in there and I forgot. But next on my list here, wouldn't like specimens need to be authorized to be brought aboard the ship? Who authorized this guy? Edward. Right. Yeah. Who authorized Edward? I mean, how how did that triple get authorization to bring Edward on board? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Wait, did I, did I say it backwards? No, no. I, um, oh, okay. All right. No, I'm I'm, uh, I'm 
I'm joking that Edward is the specimen here. Um, no, I understand what you're saying. My, I guess my response to that would be that he already had that before she came on board. So maybe whoever was in charge previously either gave him authorization or didn't care one way or the other. It seems, yeah, but you think like that as an act as the as an oncoming captain that you'd want to know what was on your ship beforehand. Yeah. Like you, you'd want to be like, I need a manifest. I need to know what's on my ship and a description, especially living things. So I get your point for sure. Yeah, and uh, it could just be the previous captain was like this guy. Just let him do whatever he wants to do. It, it doesn't matter. He won't do any harm. It's probably what they were thinking. crazy, like mix his DNA with stuff. <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh... Yeah, so actually I'll jump to that. Why would Edward even try to splice human DNA with Tribbles? I have no idea where that concept came from. I, I and it, it wasn't explained. He just said he did it. And supposedly it was to help them, you know, because the, the biggest problem with Tribbles was that they didn't replicate fast enough or they didn't reproduce fast enough so he was trying to speed up reproduction e- even like even though in enterprise uh flox mentions that they have a plurif or you know a very healthy uh reproductive rate because oh, really they, they, they were in enterprise uh, i forgot he fed, he fed them to he mentioned it in one episode i think it was like the catwalk or something he, yeah. he mentioned them oh oh Someone didn't watch that. I'm going to have to take half a pip off of my score because I didn't even realize about that. No, I'm, I'm. Um, but <laughs> so and my next thing, wouldn't this type of genetic engineering be banned? Thank you. Uh, yeah, probably. Almost 100 percent sure. Maybe for some reason, the way the Starfleet, Starfleet laws are written, it's illegal to introduce other DNA into a human, but it's perfectly fine to introduce human DNA into something else. Yeah, no, I'm almost it. 100% sure that any uh, gene manipulation, regardless, has been outlawed by the Federation. So that right. really I, I know we do have some exceptions to this because of Season 2 of TNG, uh, but let's ignore Season 2 of TNG. If you guys remember Pulaski in that episode, beaming over, and the kids, and the... Mm-hmm. Those, those yeah, weren't Federation, I, if I recall, because I just watched that episode actually yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh. One of my least favorite episodes because it's very Pulaski heavy and I cannot stand her. Um, that is my one, like, I love season two of TNG, but God, I hated Pulaski so much. But anyways, no, I did just watch that episode. And if I recall, and I, I might be wrong because I wasn't paying full attention, I was doing other things. I believe that that was not a Federation controlled science station. Like they they asked the Federation for wait, help, or they were getting some. Wait, like the one with the, the the sample spheres in it? No, 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 no. This is the one where they were like the ship that had just been there left, and then all of the people on board died of old age. Right, right, like, right, right afterwards. Right. Um, and it was because they were genetically manipulating these kids to have perfect immune systems, but their immune systems went haywire and like and telekinesis. Real... And yeah, they had telekinesis and te- they were telepathic and they were all this. But if I recall, they did specify that that wasn't a Federation owned or controlled science laboratory. They were just but, getting some supplies from. But even if. I don't, even I, don't, if, I, don't, I don't know. Even if that's true, Pulaski seemed okay with this testing. Oh, no, she was She was not just but okay then, with it. She, but, was, she was down. She was down yeah. to town with that guy. She was like, no, I want I want to bring this guy. I want to take him out of stasis. I want to see what this, I want to see what this kid in his underwear is about. 
she was she was ready to go. And also in that season, they I know we're off track. There was cloning, and she they were against that. Um, oh, getting again, back on not track. Not a federation. That was a that was also not a federation location because they specifically that, were trying to steal new genetic material from the enterprise crew right. to increase their uh supply and it was explicitly right. to- like they told them like we don't allow cloning so that one that one you know the federation was actually on their on their game on that one but yeah first early season tng the first and second season they really play fast and loose with a lot of the rules that we see later on i mean not nearly as much as tos i mean tos was just like they're still making it up as they went along so whatever but uh how many times in season one of tng did they go to a planet that wasn't warp capable and just show up and just be like hey guys how's it going i mean it's like that's true i'm like that's not a thing that you're supposed to be able to do i mean that's uh uh a directive of some sort it's uh it's a high grade directive um it, it's a choice directive no no it's not choice what's the other grade of meat oh yeah prime it's a it's a prime it, directive <laughs> i like how you brought it back to to protein um why wasn't edward confined to his quarters or sent to the break no clue. good question and why did she let him die yeah she could have like stunned him and they could have grabbed him before the triple wave happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was just, it was dumb. Not, no, else because if really they had done that, we wouldn't have an in canon death by triple wave. <laughs> we've, we've never seen tribbles like having like just popping out like in gremlins. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That was one of the things I was going to mention because, uh, like, when you, when you brought back to genetic engineering, I said, Tribbles need food to breed. They yeah. can't spontaneously replicate like that. Yeah. Yes, they are born pregnant, but they are born. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, like that. It's They're not popcorn. Right. Like, the whole thing with the trouble with Tribbles, they infected the grain. They became so engorged that... It was just like breeding and food, and it was the perfect environment for them. Yeah, which, which right. is why I was okay with, in season one of Discovery, Lorca having a triple and it not multiplying all the time because it's like they did point out at one point, if you feed it anything more than the tiniest morsel, it'll replicate. Yes. But, so I would assume that he knew that and therefore kept that triple as a pet and only fed it exactly what he needed to, you know, basically... Tribbles are mugwise, and uh, if you follow the rules, you're good to go. <laughs> but if you get them wet or feed them after midnight, you're you're screwed. Or combine them with human DNA. Or combine them so dumb. with human DNA, yes. Which I still don't understand how that helped. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, so Aaron, I think you had something else. Yeah, my, my final thing is why weren't they just transported into space? And uh, it seems as though even if they were transported, the triples transported into space, they would be able to survive the vacuum because these guys, they destroyed the ship, but they made it to the planet and they made it to into Klingon territory. Not only did they they survive the vacuum of space, but evidently since they got on the planet, that means they survived the friction of reentry into an atmosphere as well. But yet a lot of old barbecue triples, but yet. Edward says at one point that one just fell off his desk and just died. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Okay. I thought that line was funny. Oh, it was. Um, it was absolutely hilarious. I love when he's like trying to justify creating these creatures to eat, and everybody else is just looking at him horrified, and he's just continuing. And they're like, "Are they intelligent?" Well, I mean, I could breed them to be brain damaged. I, I can if breed you want. them to be essentially like mentally deficient. That's and that is just. <laughs> and everybody's looking at him like, "What the heck is wrong with this guy?" But yeah, that uh. That wraps up my dislikes, um, gentlemen. Uh, Larkin. I hated him. He's an ass. Uh, I don't know how he got as far as he did in Starfleet. Obviously, not very, because he's been an ensign, and he's, like, full-on gray. So I get it, but uh, I hate him. I, I hate this character. I know he's done... Like, I love the comedian. I love the actor. I, I've known about this actor for years. John Benjamin, he's... He's done some amazing shows and voiced some great characters. But I, if he wanted to make Larkin the absolute worst, well, he succeeded because <laughs> it's horrible. I think he that's had exactly no morals. What he was going for, to be honest, but yes, he had no morals to like animal experimentation, which on the level he was doing it, I don't think Starfleet would have even sanctioned no. at all. Probably not. Um, he had a completely bad attitude, like calling people dumb and going over people's heads. This, this, this isn't a Starfleet officer. This is my th only guess this is, is like that, a five-year-old. Yeah, my, my only guess is that he's one of these guys who's probably brilliant in his specific field. And that's why he was like so upset with her being like, no, we're going to have you work on something else. He's like, but. But but that's but that's not what I do. That's I'm a I'm but I'm not. I, I'm imagining he's uh, he's Melvin from the office. I, I just I just imagine him just sitting there, be like, but but they, they they said I could keep my my swing line stapler. Oh, I, I I get I get all of that. <laughs> I get all of that. And it you know to see a different character like this is interesting in Star Trek. I just I didn't like the humor of this episode. There's a couple times where I I chuckled, and I get what they were trying to do they were trying to make a little bit of dark humor you know satirical whatever but for some reason this episode just fell completely flat for me i you know i liked i liked uh the i liked the captain uh what's her name uh lucero i liked her when she was talking with pike and i liked that she was a young starfleet captain probably because of her efficiency in uh, proficiency in science that's why she switched to command for a science vessel and pretty practically 90 percent of the people on board were you know in blue shirts i i like that but as soon as she got on that ship after that briefing i i thought she was a jerk too and especially at the end like oh he was an idiot like what kind of starfleet officer are you the man died under your command like yeah he was an idiot but like <laughs> show some kind of respect for the dead. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I get, they were trying to make a quirky episode, especially, and this sucks because this is the first time ever in a Star Trek production that we've had like an after credit scene. And I thought parts of the commercial were funny, but just, it was so out of tone with the rest of the episode. Like I was, I was groaning like in like, ugh more than laughing about the thing. Like I was wondering from the preview where the girl sang, Oh, it's so delicious where that was going to come in to play. <laughs> but it was, that was even disgusting. Like, 
watching, watching those kids put those little balls of fur in their mouth. <laughs> I just, I didn't like it. Uh, some of the text was funny. Like, if you look in the disclaimer, they say that you can pick up, like, a triple shaving kit with the playset or whatever. Oh, really? But I missed that. It's in the fine print. That's I thought funny. that was funny. Yeah. But this has to be like an out-of-universe commercial because right. they don't have commercials. They don't have, like, cereal. They don't have... Right. So that was... I'll, I'll bring this up now. Is it canon? No. It's probably not canon. Hell no. <laughs> I bet it off be canon. <laughs> well, you know what? With these producers, who knows at this point? Yeah. Um... <laughs> But I, I did chuckle at the Harry Berry that hit a little bit too close to home. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, triple cereal gross, do not want. Um, I did think it was funny that you never have to buy another box again because it just keeps coming out. There's a prize at the, end, at the bottom of every box. Not that you'll ever get to the bottom of the box. So, yeah. But overall, hated it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Any, anything else that you hated about it in particular, or just uh, the, uh, done with the in general? The life pod. Oh right, right, right. Oh yeah, yeah. It's this big ship, and everyone you see, everyone running down the hallway. There's like 20 people, and they all get into this thing, and then that's all you see from the outside of the ship is just poof, <laughs> and it's like yeah, like what? <laughs> like where's the rest of the did the rest of the crew die? But then, no, you find out, no, only one crew member died. See, so why yeah, when see they were having that meeting, I assumed she was talking to just the department heads. But evidently, that was the entire crew complement of that ship. I'm like, maybe it was a lot smaller than it looked? I don't I, know. I, I just wish the people either writing or directing or producing these took, like, ten seconds to just put a little bit more thought into some of these smaller details. Mm-hmm. Um, because like discovery riddled with these like little small things, these short treks. And that's part of the reason why I'm worried about Picard. Like they say, Oh, well we're respecting Canon and this and that, except, you know, now discovery's 900 years in the future. So they could get away from Canon. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they wanted a clean slate and to get away. I from appreciate I kind of appreciate that because that takes away that particular complaint from people that are like, oh, well, that doesn't fit with this. I'm just like, okay, you know what? If you tell me a good story and if you show it to me in a visually appealing way, sure. I'm going to be okay but, with it. So, But then you take me out of the story when you show something dumb like one life pod launching or <laughs> Doctor Who turbo lift time. Right, right. You take me out of that disbelief. I, no, I, I completely agree with you. In fact, what I had to do this is what happened for me with this episode. I'll talk about what I what I didn't like specifically, but first and foremost, I do want to say that I actually enjoyed this episode quite a bit more than either one of you guys. And that's because I figured out pretty early on that I had to disassociate myself from this being Star Trek. I looked at it as if this was something completely independent. Why even make it? This was just a really well-produced SNL skit. 
based on Star Trek characters, maybe. I don't know. But once I disassociated myself from the Trek canon and just watched it, I really enjoyed it. I actually quite, I actually really quite enjoyed it. I rewatched it a few times, as a matter of fact, once I kind of separated myself from that. But there were some things that I didn't like about it, even after doing that. First of all, it uh, needs more Pike. But then again, everything needs more Pike. If there's a scene with Pike in it, I would like a Pike clone to be in that scene also, so that I have more Pike. Sprinkle some more else. Just, Sprinkle the Pike. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want the uh, triple cereal with extra Pike flavoring in, in there. That's the one that I want. Another thing I didn't like was that you have this new captain who, at the beginning, is is dealing with a subordinate in a fairly efficient way. Like, she's handling the fact, like, she knows she's younger than him, and he doesn't like her. He doesn't like the fact that he's being commanded by somebody younger. I've been there. I've seen it happen. I know. And she seemed to handle it pretty well from the beginning. Even when he sent anonymous, quote-unquote, messages to Starfleet Command saying that she was bad at her job and dumb, and she was, like, confronted about it. He's like, but that was uh, supposed to be anonymous. Like, like... Like that, I understand, like, she's like, listen, you can't do that. Like, you don't like me, that's fine, whatever, but you still have to do what I say. And that was okay. She was handling it fairly well. Up until he started doing things that were blatantly, not only against regulations, but against probably laws, and definitely against her direct orders. More needed to be done than a transfer. At that point, she's just like, I'm requesting a transfer. And it's like, no, throw him in the damn brig. He needs to be court-martialed. He broke yes. the frickin' law. He has violated direct orders. You don't just transfer him someplace else so he can do that to somebody else. I mean, that's that's how some other organizations in real life got themselves into a whole lot of trouble, if you know what I'm talking about. By just, oh, well, this person did a bad thing. We're just going to move them someplace else where nobody knows them. And we're sure they won't do it again. No, they will. No, you lock them up and you throw away the damn key because obviously yep. this guy doesn't care about the rules. So being a jerk is one thing. You can deal with that. People are jerks sometimes. You have to learn to deal with different personalities when you're in management or captaining a ship, which essentially is management. But when somebody breaks the rules to that extreme, you got to be able to fire them. Or in the case of breaking laws, you got to be able to, to throw, the, throw the book at them. So I didn't like that part of it. And then the other question I had, and this this it translates from a like dislike uh, dislike into sort of a question maybe is that if all this happened during the time frame that Pike was on the Enterprise, how in the world does no one aboard Kirk's Enterprise know about the existence of Tribbles? At all. Like, this is just, it's bonkers to me that the entire crew of the Enterprise has never heard of a Tribble. After the Starfleet lost a ship, lost an entire ship less than 10 years ago. You know, we're talking about a, a maximum 10 years span of time between these two things happening. And, which makes it feel like they covered it up. Which, but why, like, I understand why they covered up some things. Like with the Mirror Universe thing, they, they covered that up for a reason. They had a good reason and they explained it well as far as why they kept that secret. But something like the existence mm. of a creature that has been genetically modified to breed rapidly, that it, it, it really, it, it's kind of frustrating. I went back after watching this and I watched The Trouble with Tribbles again to see if I could piece anything together. And I do have a little tiny bit of a theory, maybe, 
but it's kind of blown out of the water by the fact that triples were mentioned in Enterprise because I forgot about that completely. But I'll still I'll still mention it when we get there. Uh, my biggest complaints were those little nitpicks and the fact that in order to enjoy this. I really did have to just kind of disassociate it from Trek. It's just a, a short comedy skit that used some Trek characters and tropes. I enjoyed it, and it made me laugh, which, you know, sometimes you just need a laugh, and I, I, I was good with it on that respect. It definitely had its problems. definitely wasn't the strongest short Trek uh, by a long shot, but I didn't hate it. As, I definitely didn't hate it as much as uh, Mr. Barry, um, and I liked it more than more than Aaron did there. So Indeed. that's my take. So actually, under the thoughts questions section here, I'm only going to go over one because I think it's only one needs to be gone over. So this seems to be another moment that is classified by 23rd Century Starfleet. And the reason why this would have been classified is because they don't want the Klingons to know that they introduced this species into their territory it's got yeah that's got to be the only reason that they could possibly say um because they did they did mention that they could they're risking a diplomatic incident with the klingons yeah so but it seems like in this discovery time frame starfleet is just okay with covering up everything that happens (laughs) Um, well, yeah, I mean, you still have Section 31 running a lot of stuff, or the people that were behind that running a lot of stuff, so I, I maybe could buy that, but yeah, no, I agree with you, it's like, wait, but why wouldn't they tell captains, at least, at least captains of starships to be like, hey, if you come across one of these things, don't bring it on your damn ship, (laughs) kill it, (laughs) get rid of it, leave it alone, beam it into space, do whatever you gotta do, but do not bring one on your ship. No, don't will. beam it on the space because apparently they can travel the galactic wind <laughs> and end up on other planets. <laughs> the galactic well, at least it's not on your ship because that's where the trouble is. <laughs> Mr. Dewey, do you have anything to add? Um, well, so my, my theory, and uh, again, it's kind of blown out of the water by the fact that their replication or their uh, re- reproduction, I should say, was mentioned in Enterprise because I forgot about that. But I was wondering, as as I was watching The Trouble with Tribbles, after watching this, I'm like, okay, so why would this trader who's trying to sell a Tribble to this bartender, why would he be trying to sell something that he knows is going to replicate like mad? So all he's ever going to be able to sell is one. He's never going to be able to deliver on more than one because the second he gives them the one, they're going to have as many as they ever want. So maybe there are still people out there who have the uh, the original recipe Tribbles, the, the the unmodified tribbles and sell them and trade them as pets and maybe the trader thought that that's what he had was one of these tribbles that don't breed rapidly and that's what he was trying to sell and so he didn't realize that he had this uh, crazy crazy thing um, original original recipe. I, I thought it fit with the whole theme of the fact that they were I, basically just I, skeletons I, I under that. all that fur <laughs> it's so gross <laughs> So but, yeah, but, but I'm like, okay, like if he knew that they were going to replicate like that, it doesn't make sense for him to leave a sample behind when he sells them. Like, yeah, like if he had a whole bunch of them and he's like trying to sell them per unit, great. But the fact that he gave him one as a sample and it's like, okay, I'll be back to sell you some more later. And then they explode. It's like maybe he didn't know that. Maybe he really did think that he had uh, the original triple that doesn't replicate that quickly. Maybe something happened between 
enterprise timeline and uh, TOS timeline that their reproduction slowed and whatever Edward did with his DNA, which still makes no sense, but whatever, um, sparked it again. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and as I said, definitely the least canon inclusion worthy short Trek to date. Um, I, I, I had to disassociate it from the rest of Trek in order to enjoy it, which is not a good thing necessarily. But again, uh, oh. at the end of the day, after watching it, I had enough fun to give it the rank that I gave it. Okay, so getting into the ranks, I thought this episode was humorous. Context-wise, like we've mentioned, I didn't think it was really a great Star Trek episode, but I laughed enough to give it two pips, Lieutenant. Uh, zero pips, cadet. Like, dumbass crew member. I, I just, zero. Nada. I... I can't turn my Star Trek brain off when I'm watching Star Trek. So that's that that's fine. Like like if Mr. Dewey can, that's great. <laughs> I can't. I'm I'm always like in Star Trek mode because it is a short trek for Star Trek. It is a Star Trek thing. Like they couldn't even get the the scientific name of the Tribble right because in Keiko's class in Deep Space 9, there's actually like an on-screen like there's a different philium and subclass or whatever. Uh, but so maybe, they couldn't even get that not, right. Maybe that's the extra crispy trouble. Maybe. <laughs> but I just, I, I, I couldn't enjoy this. I, I even rewatched it tonight thinking, oh, maybe I was just having a bad day when I first watched it. Nope. Still hate all of those characters. No, you were having except, a bad day except except because you watched it. <laughs> So I this is this is probably the I no this is the lowest I've ever gone but oh yeah I, I I love I love the actor I love Jonathan or H Jonathan Benjamin or whatever his name is but uh, I don't like I don't like his character I don't like this episode zero pips all right that's fair enough and to be fair I don't like his character either but his character was designed to be unlikable, so I think he did a fantastic job portraying that. Um, again, like I said, this ranking is based not only a on my curve for short treks, but also on just the mere fact that I did end up having a ton of fun watching this, and I watched it I think four or five times because it just cracked me up, and I had to show other people. I'm like, oh, you gotta watch this. Um, so I gave it three pips. I gave it a full commander. Uh, not not as good as Q and A. I enjoyed Q and A more overall, but uh, right up there, real close with it. So I it, it it did the job for me. As long as they don't try to make it. If they try to work too much of this into canon later, in like if they try to work this into the other shows, that will maybe uh, upset me. But just independently as it is, it, it entertained me enough to, to earn it that way. All right. Let's jump into our New York Comic-Con trailers here. Um, I'm actually more excited to talk about the trailers. Yeah. Oh, these trailers um, were... Um, I was so disappointed when uh, San Diego Comic-Con came and went, and we got almost zero Star Trek news, and I was like, what? Like, why are they... They're, they're not telling us anything. I was like, yeah, I know Marvel's, like, kind of stealing the show with their, you know, Disney, you know, Disney Plus is putting out their stuff with the Marvel and the Disney and the Star Wars and the National Geographic, which I had no idea was actually part of that whole conglomerate until they started advertising it. But, um, yeah, I was really disappointed that San Diego Comic-Con had almost no 
Star Trek news, and I was like, oh, man, what's going on? New York made up for it in spades. I, I was happy. Indeed. So we, we get a pretty short, I guess, I don't, I don't want to call it a teaser trailer, but it was a short trailer compared to the Picard trailer mm-hmm. for Discovery Season 3. What I liked from what we saw, the passage of time uh, with the hair changes and the clutter uh, behind her, uh, behind Burnham in the shuttle, I that was a good way to show passage of time. Yeah. Uh, my only qualm, I guess, with that would be how is she doing all that to herself, all that uh, hair? Because that's pretty complicated, like the braiding and stuff, and it looked spot on. She's just that good. I yeah. Well, I guess she had enough so time. The, the she has a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, a, a year apparently had passed. Yeah, they say in the 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 voiceover indicates that that she's been either by herself for a year or she's been like on some sort of mission for a year. They don't really clarify that. That's part of you know when we get into the questions, which there are a lot of, kind of get into that. But yeah, I, I hear uh, you. Yeah. Next, um, we have an updated United Federation Planets flag, streamlined. Does the smaller star field mean a majority of the Federation members have left or been destroyed? Dun dun dun. Yeah. One or the other. I'm almost 100% sure. Again, that'll kind of tie into my my theories and questions and whatnot. But yeah, I did notice. I did notice the distinct lack of stars, stars. on that yeah. uh, on that flag, and that was even an old flag. Like when he dropped that down, it was obvious that that was something that had not been shown for a while. Like I, I believe that at the time that they come in, that the United Federation of Planets doesn't exist at all. That this guy is just kind yeah, of, yeah, I, th- I think we're going full on Andromeda with season three. Yeah. So, well, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I liked the seeing the flag and seeing the lack of stars. Um, it, it kind of tells a story in and of itself without giving all the details, which means hopefully those details will come in the season. I hope so, because they were sparse in the trailer. Yes. Finally, on my likes here, a short list. Uh, the hand weapons were interesting. Uh, they were different, okay. not something that we've really seen before in Star Trek. Okay. And uh, I'll talk yeah. about the I'll talk about those uh, two when we get to our second second. So my likes, I loved that we saw Federation species and Alpha Quadrant species that we know. There was all, someone paused it, and there was that whole group of people like firing those weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one of Morn's yeah. species. Yeah, whatever. There Morn's. was a there was a Cardassian mm-hmm. in the mix. Yep. And also, so many Andorians in this trailer. <laughs> I loved it. I knew you would like that. When I saw the Andorians, I was like, oh, Mary's going to like the Andorians. Uh, so I love that. I do like the intrigue that this this trailer brought us. A lot of mystery. I, I was just very curious how everything's going to happen. Kind of my theory going into this is that the guy who was speaking to Burnham about, oh, with the flag and everything, mm-hmm. I think he's a hologram. I think oh. he's artificial. Interesting. Yes, that's definitely a possibility. I think he's part of an automated system that whenever Starfleet or Discovery happens to appear, 
I think he's meant to wait for them. And I think the flag coming down was like a, like you've, you've made it. Cause like yeah. that, that room, that's that a in, great idea. Like the room that I have a little in. bit different theory, but I'm not uh, dis- disparaging yours at all. Like yours sure. is definitely uh, a major possibility, especially with how they've gone with holographic technology with, with, with Vic and with the EMT or the, the EMH, EMH the um, doctor. Yeah, so I I would not I would not discount that at all. Yeah, so there were a lot of things in in this trailer I did like. I did like that you know eventually we do know that Burnham meets up with the crew. There's a great shot of her and Tilly hugging. So I like that there's going to be at least some passage of time for Burnham, obviously because uh, of the th- whole thing with the time travel. So I do like that they're keeping this storyline going. I'm interested to see who becomes captain of Discovery. They've been dangling, and it better be Saru. It better be Saru. Uh, yeah. just, I was about to say, it better be Saru. That's the only yeah. logical choice. Yeah. I think even Burnham would agree with that. Yeah, so I'm just... I, I just like that this trailer has made me very excited for the new season. They can now go in a bold direction. Look, if you're going to promise us that we have less continuity to tie to, that's great. But I, I think seeing like the, a Cardassian in the mix and Dorian's Morn species, like seeing some Alpha Quadrant ones that, you know, Discovery may not know but we know them from the 24th century shows. So I do like that. There's still, cause they can reference now any of the shows Yeah, Mm -hmm. because they're so far in the future. So I think if they play it that way and just show us the next evolution, I think I'm going to be a happy Trekkie. Yeah. So that's, that's what I got. Yeah. I I felt that it did exactly what a good trailer should do. It, It makes you interested in the show but didn't give away too many of the plot points. You know, it gave us just a little hint here, a little hint there. Um, You know, it it seems that we're, from what I'm gathering, and this is just my guess, my theory kind of at this point, is that we're dealing with a post-Federation galaxy. We're dealing with a galaxy that does not have a United Federation of Planets. Um, The dwindling stars on the flag uh, kind of seem to hint that the decline was slow at first. Like maybe certain systems or planets decided to leave or uh, were destroyed or taken over or something like that or chose to join some other group um because if if it all happened at once if the federation was just attacked and destroyed they wouldn't have changed the flag you know you change the flag when somebody's like oh we left and okay well this star represented that group so we take it off the flag and the fact that there were so few left means that at least when that flag was made there were very few star systems still left in the federation and i think we're actually looking at this even post that post that like where it's completely completely gone my theory my idea is that the federation was collapsing and this story you know people knew that the discovery had been flung into the future and so this the story of this starship that's going to be coming back from the past from the glory days of the federation where we just finished winning you know i'm sure the story has exaggerated itself and become this legend where you know the ship that won the klingon war for us was flung into the future and it's going to be here any day and i i love the idea of this story just being passed down from generation to generation to generation and the guy that we see with the flag is 
the progeny of this generation and these, these people who have passed down this story. And that's why he says, I've been waiting for you because he knows the story of discovery. He knows discovery is coming back. And when they come back, he's like, it's me. I, I get to be the one to greet you. You know, like I'm here. Um, kind of, kind of fifth element style with the, with the priests, how they pass down the story of the generation through the generations of when the Mondo Chiwans are going to come back to release the fifth element to destroy the ultimate evil or whatever. Like kind of that type of theory where you've got these people passing down the stories. And of course that leaves it open to a great storyline where these type of stories tend to get exaggerated over time. So by the time the ship actually does arrive, they probably have this this insane notion of what this ship is and what this crew is. And when they show up, they're just a normal group of people. They're just a normal starship complement. And it's like, yeah, they might be good, but they're probably not going to be the legends that they may have been built up to be in, in this group's mind. So there's possibly a very interesting story just there as well. I, you know, like I said, and your theory, uh, Eric, about it being a hologram, waiting for you know they're like well we know it was thrown this far into the future so we'll set up this hologram to greet someone when they come in because you know obviously discovery shows up in the future and they find no trace of the federation they're going to go back to the basics they're going to go back to earth they're going to go back to starfleet headquarters which is where i believe that room is Mm. is located and that's where they're going to start so it would make sense to leave some sort of automated program there too so it, it could be something like that it could be a combination of something like that it could be stories passed down and then the last of the the storytellers before they had to abandon the area left a hologram behind to do you know sure. so it's it's possibly a combination it's possibly one or possibly either either way sounds cool but like i said i love the fact that I'm super interested, but I don't already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I think a good trailer does, and I think this trailer was wonderful in that aspect. So I'm digging it. Cool. Jumping into our dislikes, and you guys are kind of turning me around on this one. Um, <laughs> you have some good uh, explanations got a, for, got a couple of for, for, yeah. for this. My dislike here, why was this guy waiting for Burnham to come save the day? I think what you guys just mentioned, maybe a good reason why um and perhaps if it was a hologram it might not have been waiting for burnham but because now he knows her name's burnham he's just going to say why i've been waiting for you commander burnham my next dislike uh, 900 plus years in the future and we don't see any new aliens at least I didn't see any new aliens. I want to see some new aliens. I, I didn't see any new ones in the trailer, but I think that was probably on purpose. I think they wanted to do what they did to show us that they're bringing in the 23rd and 24th century aliens of the Alpha Quadrant. And that I, I believe that we will probably see new aliens in the actual show. Okay. But I, I think they were saving them for the trailer, um, again, to not give away too much of the plot point, because if they're new aliens, whose side are they on? Are they the reason yeah. the Federation doesn't exist? Are they? Did they join the Federation before it collapsed? Did they, you know, if they show them in the trailer and they're with the Federation aliens that we know, then that tells us something. If they show them in the trailer and they're against the Federation aliens that we know, then that tells us something too. And it might give away too much. So I, yeah. I don't have much doubt that we will see new aliens in Discovery Season 3. 
I just don't think they were going to show them to us in the trailer because the context might give away too much of the plot. I see. That's just my theory. I mean, I could be completely wrong. They could be just be like, you know what? We're just going to deal with what we know and forget creating anything new, which would suck. I agree. I want to see new aliens as well as the ones we know. But Mm -hmm. for the trailer purposes, uh, I think that may be why they did. Mr. Barry, any dislikes? Uh, no. no. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Trailer's good. All right. I got you. Mr. Dewey? All right. My, my, my biggest thing is that, okay, a thousand years of tech advancement and the best thing they got is the Mega Man gun. Huh. I mean, I mean, yeah, it looked kind of coolish, but at the same time, I'm like, um, yeah, I was playing a video game with a character that had that when I was a kid, which was a long time ago. <laughs> Mm-hmm. on an 8-bit system. So I'm like, that's that's the best you got. I, I don't know. So I'm hoping we see more or maybe we see some sort of technological decline at some point mm-hmm. where, um, you know, maybe maybe they did hit a peak and then when the Federation collapsed, you know, things deteriorated and, you know, that, that can happen. Things wax right. and wane like that. So, you know, we'll see what go, what's going on. And then my only other dislike for this trailer is... The fact that it reminds me that I can't watch the show yet because all we have is the trailer. <laughs> so right. the fact that we still have to wait and we don't have a release date. Um, they've they, they've said 2020. That's all they've said. We know we're getting Picard in January. <laughs> when Picard ends. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that it's very shortly after Picard ends. But I fear that what's going to happen is it's going to be we're going to get Picard. Uh, what's that supposed to be? Ten episodes, I believe. So we're going to get ten weeks of Picard, and then I feel like we're going to get two or three months uh, uh probably you know a short track here or there before they actually drop discovery season three well we'll uh, have the animated series probably oh that's right that's right uh, what, lower decks is that what it's called uh, yeah lower okay. decks okay um, call it the animated series because there's already a terrible terrible show called star trek the animated series that we don't want to talk about beyond the obvious uh what happened to the federation I'm assuming the same type of temporal delay that Spock countered in Star Trek 2009 is in play here, and that's why Discovery isn't around uh, at the beginning. Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, we do know that Burnham was ahead of the Discovery in the time suit, um, so it's possible that with that temporal shift, you know, the ship itself came in later. That might be what happened to that year that she's talking about, or it might've come in right after, like maybe that's why her hair is so good. Maybe she's been on the ship the entire time and the year has been spent doing something else entirely on the ship because we, we do see her like waking up on that planet by herself, but we know that she was flying ahead in the suit. So, so of course she's going to be by herself when she first comes out, but we don't know for sure whether the ship pops right in right after her or if you know she has to wait a year for the ship to to pop into existence so it's an it's another question that the trailer leaves us with right uh do you have any other questions mr dewey uh oh, so, so many questions uh but I'm not gonna like i said i think that's a good thing the fact that i have so many questions but i'm still interested in watching the show that's that's really what i want to know about my biggest thing though is i do want to know how much of this year because they made it a point in the trailer to point out that she's been doing something for a year before the events that we start seeing in the trailer take place. So how much Mm -hmm. of that year 
are we actually going to see? Is that going to be the first episode or an episode? Is it going to be five minutes of voiceover and then that's it? Um, are we going to see flashbacks throughout the season? Is it going to be some sort of combination of that? Or are we going to see like a little bit of it? And then like throughout the season, we'll see flashbacks to things that happened during that year, that sort of thing. Th those are really my question. There's another question tagged on here that I didn't put on here. So I'm curious, uh, who had that question? Oh, is it Burnham's mom? Yeah, <laughs> that was that was mine. I must have accidentally. That's that's added that's okay because um, I I think it's a valid question and uh, you should you should ask it. I just like looked at it and like I'm almost a hundred percent sure I didn't type that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was me probably on my phone on the train just yeah. typing nope. it in. No worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, no, that is a valid question. Will we will we see? Burnham's mom, um, because she was kind of living out there in the future. Uh, that was kind of her, her bounce back point. And we don't know if that's where she ended up when she was sucked through that time rift. Well, yeah, she wasn't even in a suit, right? Yeah. She's probably dead. Yeah, Never mind. So that's the thing. It's like, where did she end up? <laughs> wow. You just, you just took that really dark. Yikes. <clears throat> she is triple food. That is what she is. Um, oh, yeah, no. that is. <laughs> Well, uh, that's the thing. Maybe she has triple DNA, Lord. and she can survive the vacuum of space. We are, we are, we are hurting Eric's head right now so badly. Yeah. Uh, but, but, Mister Bird, do you have any thoughts or questions that uh, you 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 feel? I mean, not not in addition to what everyone else covered. I'm just anxiously awaiting the return of Star Trek Discovery. Fair, fair. Me, too. Me too. What I really want to talk about Star Trek Picard. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> um, Why wasn't this first? Save the best for last. Yes. Um, so this is the second Picard trailer. There's so much awesomeness in this trailer. We see... Riker and Troy. Yes. And they have a kid. Uh, we finally see Hugh. Yes. Um, I know there was some speculation. Someone thought he was the Borg being operated on in the first trailer. I don't think that's the case. It, um, he looked awfully dang human in the trailer to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, like so there was, I saw uh, less trace of Borgness on him than on Seven. So that, that seemed interesting to me. Yeah, and you would imagine he would have had access to Starfleet or medical treatments that Seven wouldn't have been privy Correct. to. Um, and she probably, after she got back to the Alpha Quadrant, decided to keep them because they defined her for mm -hmm. three or four years uh, yeah. while she was seven of nine or yeah. seven, just seven. Just seven. Um, yeah. Seven of nine uh, tertiary adjunct to the <laughs> Matrix 001. Indeed. So it looks like Starfleet or someone is building an army of Sung-type androids. Which is interesting. Um, which is very interesting because I just watched Measure of a Man this week. Oh. And that was the whole thing. I'm Maddox wanted to create yeah. this whole thing of a bunch of Datas. And, right. and they said no because Data wasn't property of Starfleet. And then having a race like Data, either that would give them rights or it would be akin to slavery. Yep. Mm. So this is very interesting. Yeah. So one way around that may be before, since he's uh, not as advanced as Data, doesn't have those rights. 
but he still has sentience. I, I don't think... Well, they, yeah, mm, they gave him... I, I think Data, Data set a precedence, a legal right. precedence, and even though B4 is not as smart as Data, that's like saying a mentally challenged person doesn't have the same rights as a human, or, or as a, like a regular person. Right. No, I, I agree with you there. Technologically-wise, he... <sighs> sure, he's a prototype, but then... Okay, Lore was a prototype too, and he was a jerk and an a-hole. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just saying B4 is more like a kid, mentally. Yeah, right, right, that's true. Another thing I loved was the Romulan Bird of Prey. It was fantastic. Fan-freaking-tastic. And uh, I can see them using that because Romulus was destroyed. Right, you get any ship you can. Yep. Yeah, so that that was great to see. Know what else would be interesting if they have any of those hollow ships from Enterprise? Oh, that would be cool if that was part of their fleet or whatever. Yeah. Or they probably don't even have a fleet anymore. Yeah, so, well, yeah, so I mean, hollow ships, I want to see. What else do I want to see? They had other ships in... Like in uh, Nemesis, Enterprise. like the Valdor. Yeah. Those, the newer Bird of Prey's. Yeah, the newer ones. I also would like to see older ones, too. Like the D-Dead... Yeah, that one. The, the next the generation one. Yeah. The D-Dead <laughs> or whatever. The, the, yeah, the right. cool one. The freaking cool-looking one. Those were those were always my favorite Birds of Prey. The next-gen oh, Birds of Prey were the best. Those were just gorgeous ships. Mr. Barry. Oh, I love all of it. It was the best. It was the best trailer ever. No, I mean, come on. The the ending shot where Riker and Picard are on a bench, and then Picard just like you know kind of pats his the hand that it's just that is so their friendship really that's is. been built over oh. multiple years, and that's why I love rewatching Next Generation right now to get Teresa prepared for Picard because right. I'm. I'm seeing these moments again with like a new context and to see Riker and Picard's friendship continue over the years. It was fantastic. Even that little moment. And that's what I, I really like about this trailer is that there's so many little moments mm -hmm. that are nostalgic for people like us, but there's also, well, who the hell are these new characters? Who's right. these new ragtag group that Picard assembles? Right. I'm I'm more interested in them than maybe some of the cameos. Oh yeah, and I like sure. I like Picard railing against another admiral. Like <laughs> this isn't what the Federation is about. Picard is still on his principles. He has never let his principles go. And no matter what, how many badmirals come across he's still like look this is not what the federation is about and i love that he sticks to his guns i love this trailer i am so excited for picard i i completely agree i was excited for picard when they first announced it i got more excited when i heard that patrick stewart was back for it because when they first announced it it wasn't a hundred percent they said he might have some involvement but they, it wasn't like it was more of a rumor type of thing and i was like ah but he, he said he'd never come back to to play that part mm -hmm. and then when i heard that not only is he back but he was excited about it and then i saw that he was an executive producer on the show so i'm like not only was he excited enough about it to to sign on to do it 
but he was excited enough about it to throw some money at it himself. Like, I'm like, okay, so now I'm super on board. But yeah, this trailer had everything I want. I mean, you, you, you got to see Riker, got to see Troy, got to see Data, got to see Hugh, we got to see Seven. So we know that these some of these characters are coming back, whether they be in small parts or large parts. Um, but we also get to see this new group of, of characters that are ultimately probably going to be the core of the show. The cameos mm-hmm. are great and everything, and I, and I love it, and I hope there's more. I would love to see LeVar Burton back. I would love to see... Um, I want to see Wesley back. I, I would love to... Yeah, I would love to see Will Wheaton back. Although I don't know how, with his whole becoming a traveler... Well, thing, he, like, you saw him in the, in the crowd for Nemesis and Troy's wedding, so... Yeah, yeah but anyway. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> He just snapped in and was like, hey, I'm here. He's like, yeah, I traveled over here. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they'd work that in, but yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, you know, I'd love to see Crusher. I mean, there's so many great actresses and actors that uh, have, have played a part in this story over the years that I'd love to see have a chance to at least make, just, just have a presence. They don't have to be a major plot point. It looks like Dave's going to be a pretty major plot point. The rest of them seem to be more more cameo-type situation. Well, other than that, Seven and Hugh seem to be pretty core, because they did put a lot of... There was a lot of shot of that uh, Borg ship as well. So, uh, But again, still quite a bit of mystery regarding the plot. We're not 100% sure. What are we dealing with? Who's the big bad here? Are, are we dealing with Romulans? Are we dealing with Borg? Are we dealing with Federation itself creating some sort of army of, you know, as, as Guinan said in Measure of Men, you know, a whole yep. race of disposable people. Um, I absolutely love that episode. That is one of my favorite episodes of television of all time. Not just mm-hmm. of Star Trek, not just Next Generation, not just sci-fi, just in general, all of TV the Measure of Man is one of the best episodes of television, I think, that was that's ever been aired. The fact that they might be kind of going back to that plot line as something that Picard's fighting against now is really quite it's, interesting. It's full circle. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. You know, we, we And you bring up Maddox, and somebody pointed out online, I saw this, that... Like, yeah, these new androids, they don't... Because like, my friends are like, well, how come... Why is it that only uh, Soon and uh, Data were able to make androids that look like people? And I had commented on the post saying, well, if you're going to make yourself a slave race, you're not going to make them look exactly like you. You know, that's... <laughs> mm-hmm. That would make it confusing. Um, however, somebody else did point out that um, if you kind of do a little meld and mashup of uh, original... Uh, data, early season data, and Maddox, you kind of oh, no. get that F8 look a little bit. The, the one Android that oh. they showed with F8 stamped on his forehead had a little bit of Maddox-ish, like the, the shape of the face, and the, you know, so there could be something at play there for sure. Oh, I uh, didn't even notice that. Just I didn't notice it at first. Somebody had to point it out. I was like, oh, oh my god, if they that. tie all this back to Measure of a Man, this is going to be the most best series of star trek of all time it, it really will because i mean basically <laughs> uh yeah i'm i'm really hoping that that plays a major part in it uh one way or the other that does bring up some of the thoughts and questions that i have you know uh, when we talk about that this whole thing we're, we're seeing little flashes of what could be some independent storylines or what could be one major storyline tied together like is there something about this this android army like were they did they make this android army to combat a specific threat 
from the Borg or the Romulans or something. You know, like, mm. is there a reason they went against their own ruling, essentially, their own rules, which Starfleet has been known to do. It's <laughs> something that's kind of a reoccurring <laughs> theme. Starfleet going against their, their own rules and regulations because they feel they need to at the time. Yeah, like I said, we've still got a lot of mystery regarding the overall plot, which is good because again if you give away everything in the trailer why, why do you need to watch the show but there was enough in the trailer to really suck me in even more than i already was i mean th there was no way i was not watching the show I mean, they, <laughs> there's, there, there was no way i wasn't going to watch this but um i'm even more excited now and the fact that we have a january release date so i have an actual date to look forward to, to like mark off on my calendar like this is the day yep. countdown till <laughs> here it is <laughs> I am excited. So yeah, there was a lot to like about that trailer. Those are some of the things that I liked about it. Evidently, Aaron, though, you had some uh, dislikes. I mean, there's very little to dislike about this trailer. Something I mentioned earlier uh, in the, this episode, something from Discovery made its way into the Picard trailer. And you mentioned one, but I found another. Oh. So we'll talk about that. Okay, so what I found, and I'm sure other people have saw this as well, solar panels are on the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, just like they were in Discovery. And I'm not against solar panels being on the Golden Gate Bridge. The only problem is we have established shots of what it should look like in the 24th century. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't have solar panels Maybe they had to go back. Something something happened. They had to go back. They just had to put the panels back up. It was a restoration project. Okay. It was a. Uh, it was, a, it was also, an art installation. Yeah. <laughs> also, though, know. we have we saw the Golden Gate Bridge mm -hmm. in the latter 23rd century, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it didn't have solar panels. It didn't. But I, by digress. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, solar panels are great, and I think right now. In this time today, for real us, we should be putting solar panels on damn near anything we can. But mm -hmm. they are improving that technology every day. And you would think by the time we get to the 23rd, 24th century, that hopefully our ability to harness solar energy won't require gigantic black panels like that. They've mm -hmm. already started to make transparent and translucent panels that are able to be photoelectric. Um, they aren't quite as efficient as the solar panels that we're traditionally used to yet, but they're working mm. on it. There, there will be a day, probably before the timeline of Star Trek, where you will have an entire skyscraper built out of these photoelectric panes of glass that will entirely power itself without looking like it's built out of solar panels because the glass will right. look like glass. They're, they're already working on this technology. So yes, I, I agree the idea that somehow in the 24th, 25th century, whatever, wherever we're at, that they still need to put the type of solar panels we have now on anything <laughs> is, is a little ridiculous. I actually didn't notice that in the trailer, but that wasn't really I, I didn't focus. Either. Uh, oh, so it's there. But it's no, there. I'm not discounting your, your, your <laughs> thoughts on the subject at all. I'm just saying I didn't I didn't really notice it when I was watching it, but totally understand why that would be a gripe because, like I said, don't don't mean most things. Next, it's not really a dislike, but I kind of wish we saw Riker and Troy in a uniform mm. on the Titan. I'm. I'm probably I'm almost 100 percent sure they're retired at this point. If they've got a kid, yeah, 
they've retired because I think the whole point was that Riker was so focused on his career for so long. Yeah. Um, and then and that's what kept him away from Troy. Like that's what 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 was shoved a wedge in their relationship was the fact that he was so focused on his career. When they finally got together and got married, I feel like that's when he was like, you know what? There's more important things than than career. And he didn't want to end up like his dad, a career-driven a-hole that didn't have time for his kid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the day that uh, Troy became pregnant was probably the day he put in his resignation. Yeah. from Starfleet. And I, I kind of like, and I, I hope that because it looked like they, they were at a log cabin. I hope that's in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it so has too. to be. It has to be. Where else would it be? Right. So. Uh, Aaron, on your point about things that shouldn't be in the 24th century, someone pointed out that in the Starfleet headquarters in the window behind Picard when he's signing in, there's a Discovery-type shuttle landing. It's the same visual effect or whatever. It's the same model. Yeah, I did notice that. I kind (laughs) of... I did notice that shuttle. I did notice it looked like a Discovery shuttle, but I was like, eh, mm, all right. <laughs> it's, it's like fashion, these trends. They, they come back around. They come back in style, right? You know, so it's like, uh, you know, bell bottoms are out, and then they're in, and they're out. That, that's like a if, if a horse and buggy were coming down the street right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's some fashion. I need to get me one of them. Um, hey, just uh, go, go visit the Amish area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, would be funny. No, who's on the shuttle? Who? Burnham. Giorgio. <laughs> uh, Giorgio. Oh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Some time travel. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't want her in the 24th century. No, thank you. But yeah, so finally, um, the data makeup still looks a little weird. It's not like a dislike. It's just something I'm going to have to get used to, and I'm sure I'll just get used to it and deal with it. But, you know, we, we grew up watching Data on TV. That's the Data I expect to be seeing, and they're trying to replicate that. I know. It's just not working. It's, it's yeah. almost Uncanny Valley. It's, yeah. like, it's like, like right there. Yeah. yeah. It, it's real tough because, like, when I go back and binge through TNG, I don't notice Brent Spiner's actual aging as much. It's only when I jump around in episodes. Like, if I watch something from season one mm. and then watch something from season five, I'm like, oh, man. You know, for an android, he sure did age. Um, but now we're talking about 20 years later, and he's the only character who shouldn't have aged. Everybody else is fine because they're exactly the age they should be. So they don't really have to do anything for them. But for but for Data, they have to do this de-aging thing. And the technology, while it's much better than it has been in the past mm-hmm. it's still not it, there's still obviously something a little weird about it so right. um, no what i kind of wish they did was like a deep fake of data oh. from tng and then went back in and kind of cleaned it up a little bit I, I keep hearing this this term deep fake people have been bringing this up to me lately what exactly i oh I'm, you have I'm well, you need to, to watch Google some this. music videos Deepfake is awesome, so... Uh, it's oh, no, it's it's awesome, but it's also <laughs> terrifying. No, it is. So what... It's computer... You, you, this is open source software. You can download this and produce some of this yourself if you want to. So it's a computer uh, learning algorithm that will take your face 
and you feed it the face of someone else, like a bunch of different pictures, it will then map that person's face onto your face so you look like someone else. And they're doing this for like political videos. Uh, essentially, you can you can almost do it like for like things like revenge porn, yeah. like uh, all kinds of like very bad, horrible stuff. And there's a lot of development going into detecting and debunking deep fakes too, because you can make it look like like Obama saying something completely not Obama like, and because they can combine that especially for like political people because they have a whole library of right. like words that they've said. Yeah, anybody who's enough. been in the public light for any reason, probably. Right. Yeah. There's a ton of, I, I know they've been able to do that with voice stuff for a long time. I mean, that's well, essentially this, this how this is do, like, like that for faces oh, wow. and videos. It's bad. Terrifying. That's Wow. Yeah, there's actually a really good example later on. You guys should look at it if you haven't on YouTube. So they took The Shining and replaced Jack Nicholson's face with Jim Carrey's face. And oh, my God. It's, I did not see that. It's that's, crazy. It's 100% it, more terrifying than the original movie. Which it looks honestly wasn't that scary, so, so good, but, though. It looks like it's Jim Carrey in The Shining. Weird. It's it's one of the best examples of deep fakes uh, that I've seen. Mm, that so is, that is insanity. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research on that. But yeah, if they can do that, then why do we why are we getting puffy puffy face data in Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they can put Jim Carrey in The Shining, why aren't they hiring these guys? Why aren't they be like, listen, and, listen, and, stop and making this is, stop making this your is, for a second and uh, do something for us. This is open source software. Anyone can download and run it on their computer. There's actually, there's this one YouTube guy. I'll have to find the clip for you guys. There's this one uh, YouTube group. I don't know if you've seen them. They analyze special effects for movies, but oh, they also yeah, the do corridor. special effects. Yeah, yeah, I, I've watched them. Look for the one where they redo, they actually use deep faking technology. They redo the effects of the Scorpion King. I saw that and, one. And that's where the deep fake, they yeah. took all these new pictures of The Rock and like redid the shot where he's like coming in as in the Scorpion body. Mm -hmm. And they matched the lighting and they did all this stuff, but that used deep fake stuff. It looks so much better than it did in the movie. Yeah. I'll have to, 100%. I'll have to take your word for it because I never bothered watching that. Movie. But well, they, 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 um, they do side by side. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they I'm also took that up same... because, yeah, I never had any interest in watching that movie. Um, uh, there, those there was only one that did mummy this... movie in my, in my opinion. The same people that did the Scorpion King one, they also hired a Tom Cruise impressionist and deep fake Tom Cruise's face onto him. Holy crap. And uh, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. <laughs> but um, let's get back on, on track here. Um, what we're saying is they could do a better job on data. <laughs> yeah. With deep fakes, they, we, season we two, you need him. a deep we fake. We have the technology. <laughs> Season two, do a deep fake. Mr. Barry, do you have any dislikes? Not really. I'm in pure like nostalgia mode and I'm so mm -hmm. excited. I'm so excited for seven of nine and Hugh of all people. <laughs> Speaking of deep fakes, they're doing some deep cuts for yes. this. Show. So I'm, 
I think my optimism is blinding anything I could possibly dislike, aside from, you know, the Discovery reuse stuff. Right. But uh, otherwise, oh, man, is it already January? Because, <laughs> yeah. It's getting close. It is getting super close. So, um, uh, Mr. Mister Dewey dislikes. Um, pretty much just what we talked about. Like I said, de-aged Brent Spiner still looks really weird i mean i get that they have to do it because like i said he's the only character who wouldn't have actually aged and when they did try to make him look like he was trying to look older in all good things it was terrible so i'm glad that that's not what happened but at the same time yeah it it looks a little weird although it does look better than what we saw in the first teaser, which um, I don't know if that was supposed to be data or if that was supposed to be before. Um, this one's obviously data because it's a dream, so it's it's actually data, but it did look a little better. Um, so, mm. But I'm hoping, honestly, that as much as I love Brent Spiner, and I really do, um, I, I hope that his on-screen parts are minimal. Um, you know, if he if he does voice stuff, if he's on the communicator, if he's like, I, you know, get him in there as much as you can, but with that visual, it's going to distract from the show if we see that too much. So I'm, I'm, I am hoping that his actual on-screen time is minimal, although I hope the character, um, whether it be him or before or whatever, I hope he, he does have a, a good part in it. But that was really my only complaint. I've got a lot of uh, questions and theories and such, but that was really my only complaint. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a dislike of of many people. Yeah. So thoughts and questions here. So my thought is those dark shifts with the red phasers are section thirty one. I really feel like they're using section thirty one to tie the universe together. Oh on cbs all access that's that's how i feel i i don't know if it's right or wrong but i can I, see it I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense it's kind of one of those things where they can use it as kind of a resurgence tool because those type of clandestine organizations they do go through i mean they in real life they do go through that kind of phase where they're, they're they get too big for their own britches they get too well known they get too powerful and then they get cut down because mm-hmm. you know people realize, hey, what, are the, what, what the heck are these guys doing? And they get cut down and they get knocked down and people think they've gone away completely, but they've never gone away completely. And mm-hmm. then they're back to being this actual clandestine organization and then they slowly build up it. But then at some point they become too big and well-known again. And so now you know the, the, the cycle starts over basically. So it is potentially possible in this timeline that you know in Discovery we had such 31 is essentially a well-known organization within Starfleet to being essentially disbanded at the end. But we know that they weren't completely disbanded because we see them later on in in Deep Space Nine. And we know that they existed in Enterprise time as well. So it's possible that by the time of Picard that they've made some sort of resurgence or or, are going on. I didn't see anything about them that that screamed Section 31 to me. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Section 31 or something like it has something to do with this whole Android army, because that is definitely a very uh, Section 31 yeah. type of uh, thing. You know, Especially yeah. that would tie into Discovery's whole second season with Control. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely could see that possibly being a tie-in. I didn't necessarily associate it with those ships in particular, 
but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised. I might be a little disappointed. I'd like them to leave Section Thirty One out of the card since they mm-hmm. leaned so heavily on it in Discovery Season Two. But I, I wouldn't necessarily be I, I wouldn't be like mad about it, but I would be okay with it if if Section Thirty One didn't play a part in Picard at all, or you know if if anything they were only mentioned, you know something like mm-hmm. that. But um, it's it's always a possibility. Again, more questions than answers right now, which is Indeed. perfectly fine because we're getting those answers in January. Hopefully. <laughs> so my next question: Who is the girl Data is painting in the dream? I I, I don't have an answer for you. I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. That is and that is a good question because uh, nobody knows. I, I I paused it and I looked and I thought, you know, does does it remind me of anybody from any episodes? Does it? It might be a completely new construct just for this show, or it might tie back to something that we that we don't remember. Who knows? Maybe like I said, I'm I'm rewatching TNG. I guess uh, Barry, you're watching TNG again yep. as well right now. Uh, with Teresa to, to get her prepared for Picard. That's what I'm doing is doing a, a TNG rewatch to get ready for Picard. And I'm doing like Picard data, mm, maybe some other do important ones. Yeah. 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 I, I'm too much of a but, completist. I can't skip episodes no matter how badly I want to skip like code of honor. Um, last, I still last, have to... night, last night we watched Q who with the introduction of the board. Uh, yes. So yeah, I haven't got I haven't gotten that far yet. I just watched uh, earlier today um, before the show. Uh, which one did I watch? I watched the one with. Uh, it'll come to me. But uh, yeah, no, I'm still. I, I haven't. I'm in season two, but I haven't reached Measure of a Man yet. I think it's coming up soon. So I, I've, I've got to mentally prepare myself for that one because I know I have to. I know when Measure of a Man's coming, I'm like, I, I need to set aside some cry time. So I'm going Get to. Get a box of tissues ready? Yeah, I, I know. I have to be prepared. I have to because I know that that's the thing that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. My emotional state right now, uh, I can't just. Put that on and just you know have it in the background like I can with any other episode. That's one that I'm going to sit and watch because, especially since it's very likely that it's going to tie into Picard. So yeah, probably. Now your next question, uh, you've got a little screen cap in the show notes here. I'm curious as to why uh, why you think what you think. So explain explain right. yourself, sir. I'm just kidding. So uh, in the trailer we have uh, set of nine clutching a body. And there are tears coming uh, from her. Well, we we all see tears, but it looks like she's crying. Now this body, it has a red upper torso, shoulder area, what appears to be a lavender turtleneck, uh, and blood-stained hair. I think we are looking at a dead Chakotay. No! No, I hate you! <laughs> I hated that relationship! That was dumb! <laughs> Stupid! And everyone else thought it was done. That's why they killed him. <laughs> Can you imagine that phone call? They're like, hey, hey, buddy. You've been out of work for a while. Um, well, I don't how think would you like no, to because come be on in Picard? Real, he's like silver hair now. We're going to kill him. Robert Beltran. Yeah, 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 I met him a few years back at uh, Phoenix Comic Con. I felt really bad, actually. Like, I went up. I didn't pay for an autograph or a photo op with him because, I mean, I, I, it's I just didn't. Uh, but, <laughs> wow. But, I, I did meet him, and I got an autograph. <laughs> 
I didn't I didn't pay, like I felt so bad because like he had to sign up like how much autographs and photo ops and stuff were and he had like he had marked down his autographs and it, and they had him right next to somebody who did they have him right next to oh they had him right next to Karen Gillan who oh my God Karen Gillan but I mean as also as far as relevance at the time goes. Like, holy crap, like, that is the worst person you can be right next to as somebody who has not really done much since Star Trek Voyager. So I felt bad, and it was, like, one of those situations where he's sitting there at the table, he's got his handlers, and he's sitting there, nobody's in his line. And uh, so I, I just walked up, and I was like, hey, you know, how you doing? I, I really lo- loved you in Voyager. I thought your character was great, even though it's not really 100% true. I never really was a big Chakotay fan. I don't think he was bad. I, yeah. I don't think he was a bad actor. Right. I just didn't like the character that much. But I didn't say that to him. I was just like, hey, you know, and I shook his hand and said, hey, you know, uh, good job. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed your character. Keep on keeping on, and I'll catch you later. And that, that was my experience with, with that. I'm like, I'm not giving you $20 for your name on a piece of paper. I, right. I don't buy autographs to begin with. Like, the one thing that I've sprung for at any convention ever was most recently the uh, I got the picture with Anson Mount uh, shooting oh. me with my Discovery phaser at the Great Philadelphia oh, Comic Con. But I mean, come on, how could I not do that? <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, so I, I think this is supposed to be Chakotay. Uh, it's not the actual actor who played what? him. You don't think um, they, they got they don't you don't think they threw him a bone and got him to come back to He die? doesn't look like that. They, I think this have, is like either a flashback or a dream sequence or something. Patrick Stewart doesn't or not Patrick Stewart, but uh, Brent Spider doesn't look like Data anymore either, but they're figuring that out, sort of. Um <laughs> nah. So I maybe maybe they deep faked on go. the scene. If they used a deep fake for a cutscene of Chakotay dying, but not for actual scenes of Data speaking, then I'm gonna be really ticked off. Obviously, it's somebody that she cared a lot for, or she cared about the fact that he's dying because yeah. she's very upset. And who else would dying. she care about but Chakotay? <sighs> <laughs> any it's, it's, any it's other thoughts or questions? We never know. We never know. Nope, I don't know. No, I, I question everything. Just no. give it to me. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many questions right now. But my Just, biggest ones, uh, of course, are who's the girl uh, that brings Picard back into the fray to begin with? Um, I looked at IMDb. The character's name is Daj, spelled D-A-H-J. That tells, that tells me nothing. Um, I'm curious. What what is she? Who is she? Is she is she an android? Is she you know is she like a, a daughter? Of Picard's type daughter. Of situation. Uh-huh. Is she Romulan? Is she somehow related to the Borg situation? Because we got Romulans, we got Borgs, we got androids, we got so much oh stuff my. going on, and then we've got this exactly, and then we've got you know this girl out of nowhere, and they've. I feel like she's probably going to have some Romulan heritage, whether she's full-on Romulan or not, only because every scene that we've seen in the trailers thus far, they've made sure her ears are covered with her hair. Just that fact makes me think that maybe they're trying to hide those ears and not give away that she's got, like, a Romulan or Vulcan heritage. Mm. So we'll see. But somebody did point, point out online that it's possible that she's another Soon-type android. You know, maybe another, you know, attempt at uh, appropriation of data that is now found out that, that her kind is being used as as, as slave. Conspiracy theory. Her name something. is only two letters away from saying data. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, you solved it. Um, although I, I cannot, I cannot tell you. There are some things in Star Trek: Next Generation that just went over my head for so, so many years. The fact that data literally means uh, truth or accuracy or accurate information, and then his brother lore, which literally means lies or falsehoods. The fact that that those were opposites. I just thought Lore was a cool name that they gave at their android. I never put that together until so many decades after I watched the show originally. Before means before. Because he was that one I got. That that one I will admit I got right away. But here's the one that really embarrasses me. It wasn't until last year that you found out where Romulans were. No. They are related to Vulcans. Did you know this? Uh, oh anyways, my God. no, no. This is, it's even worse than that. Honestly, like that would be better. Oh no! <laughs> this is okay. It wasn't until last year that I was I was watching Star Trek: Next Generation again, and I realized that the rainbow stripes on acting Ensign Wesley Crusher's shirt were the Division colors. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> I was watching, I was like, I just thought it was just this stupid little rainbow uniform that they made this kid wear. And then I looked at it, I was like, holy crap, it's the yellow, blue, and gold. Oh, I get it now. Because he's like, he hasn't picked one yet. He's everything. Oh, my. (laughs) And now now that you've lost your Star Trek card, (laughs) it's time to end the show. Before I picked up on that little tidbit. <laughs> Indeed. So, on, on that note, it's been a long episode. It's been a long time since we've been together to talk about Star Trek. I'm glad we've had the opportunity to do so. Um, it's been great at seeing you guys. Um, Wait, my camera, my camera's over here, but you guys are over there but, on my screen. So I'm but, like, I'm so confused because if I'm looking at the camera, I'm not looking at you guys. But it doesn't matter because our our listeners can't see us. Oh yeah, that's that's true. Sorry, <laughs> or you're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, Mister Barry, yes. if we were to look for you on the internet, how would we do that? You can find me at uh, Twitter and Instagram at truckyb 47 You can check out the other podcasts I have on the Four Eyed Radio Network. That's the Ranger Command Power Hour at Ranger Command PH or rangercommand.com to listen to that. Awesome. And Mr. Dewey, how would we find you on the internet? I am on most social media platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, and untapped at Eric J. Dewey. And definitely check out my newest podcast that will be coming soon. Uh, Might even already be out by the time this episode drops. I don't know for sure. It depends on how quick I can finish creating the feed. But it's everything that doesn't matter. The podcast that myself and my co-host Chris are doing. Um, You can follow us on social media at etdmpod. Uh, We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under that handle. So check that out. It's a fun show. We talk pop culture. Awesome. Uh, Check that out. Um, You can find me online most places at Nova Charter. And once again, gentlemen, pleasure talking to you about Star Trek. As always, yes. Hopefully we can get another uh, episode in sometime before... Maybe like right before Picard drops, we can talk about the last of the short treks and our theories. And Can we do a holiday gift guide? Again? Um, can we bring that back? 
Yeah, we could we could bring that back. Why not bring it back? Yay! Yeah, uh, the only but, issue but is thinking is gone. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the GameStop website doesn't have a Star Trek category. Boo! Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm I, sure I, I add all of the uh, the new Star Trek material that's out there. We could still find enough Star Trek related oh, yeah. merchandise to I'm put sure. together a gift guide. <laughs> Even if it's not just from one side. Uh, yeah. I think we can do it. We'll, we'll do it. So, uh, until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Um, check you later. Peace and long life. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod.